On this episode of Remodeling Unscripted, I have a casual conversation with my friend Franco Albaran with Albaran Architects, and we just go down uh, his story, uh, his unique approach to architecture, not only with his style, but the fact that he also builds uh, his own designs as well. Uh, he basically breaks down what it is to work with an architect and his whole process. So if you've ever thought about working with an architect before, if you have plans on potentially building a home, or if you're just curious about um, the architecture world, this is a great listen. So hope you guys enjoy. Welcome back to Remodeling Unscripted. My name is Frank Lujan, and I'm with Canopy Unlimited. Uh, today we have a special guest. Uh, he is Franco Albaran with Albaran Architects, and uh, I'm really happy to have you on here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Hope you guys are doing well. Yeah, we, we sure are. Uh, it was kind of a, an awkward last two weeks, not really knowing what day of the week it was, but uh, but I'm happy that you're on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was kind of weird when uh, I think it was after Christmas. I looked at my wife and I was like, it feels like a Saturday and it's it's a Thursday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, now that the New Year's uh, rolled, rolled around and and uh, you know it's time to get back to work. So um, again, thank you for for being on here. And you know, you are architects in general. Um, and, and you in particular, uh, I've been wanting to have you on here, um, and kind of tell your story and, and basically have an outline for how to work with architects, um, and homeowners and contractors and how kind of, uh, the architect, um, falls in line and, and all, all the puzzle of this, you know, construction world, so to speak. So, I uh, want to kind of start off with uh, introducing you, if you want to tell us a little bit about your story, who you are, and, and how you got into uh, architecture. Sure. Well, before, uh, I just want to say thanks for having me on your, your podcast. Uh, you and I actually met kind of through social media. Yeah. Your work and really have enjoyed it. And I like your color teal. I think it's a uh, very good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to be on your podcast and uh, uh, hopefully work with you guys in the future. So, yeah, I mean, I'm an arch- I'm a licensed architect. Um, I started my business back in 2004. And really, uh, you know, the way I got started was kind of you have one foot in, one foot out. Uh, I was working for another architect at the time. And he basically just gave me his overflow work. He said, hey, look, this is the kind of what he, you know, he was used to doing really big projects. And he had smaller remodeling scale jobs and asked me if I wanted to do them on the evenings and on weekends. And I said, Sure. He referred him to me and, you know, slowly but surely, uh, those clients referred me to other clients. And before I knew it, I had an office and I had people and, and I was still working for him and doing my work. And finally, it, we both agreed that, hey, you know, uh, I can't I can't be burning the candles, you know, on both ends. I've got to kind of make a decision. Uh, and I, I stepped out on my own, so to speak. And uh, that was back in I officially stepped out out of his kind of office space where we office together back in 2007. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that's so when I stepped out and said, "Here we go." So yeah, yeah, it's been a fun ride. And it, most of the work that you did prior to stepping out was it all? Has it always been uh, residential? 
Um, yeah, I'd say 95 percent, 98 percent of it was residential, uh, custom, uh, high-end residential work. Um, his, his name was John Young, and, and he had a, his office. We were a small office, but we did a lot of work in River Oaks, Memorial, um, Piney Point, the Villages, uh, kind of really high-end custom residential work. Um, and working with him, I learned a lot. Um, he allowed me to just uh, basically take a project from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And I sought him out because he had a really good reputation. And more importantly, it was a small office. And mm-hmm. he's really known for kind of letting one, essentially one architect kind of lead the project from beginning to end. And so you got to kind of see how a project really unfolded from design all the way through the construction portion. And and this was straight straight after college, you jumped into working with him and then you branched out on your own? Uh, so right after college, I worked for a commercial firm for about a year and a half. Um, I didn't like working commercial. Um, you know, commercial is very good at pit, getting pigeonholed. And when I came out of college, I knew a lot about uh, kind of 3D modeling, you know, kind of like not virtual reality, but just it was barely taken off, which is you would model 3D model a, a building in, in CAD. So I had a lot of skills to do that and, and whatnot. So when I came out, I did a lot of that for this particular firm. Uh, and I did some design work and some production drawings, but I just didn't see a future there. Uh, I kind of just saw myself go in and, you know, you clock in, you work, and you kind of clock out. Not, nothing real personal, right? Just no, I just like a machine. Like, yeah, you just felt like you were just there to do a job. Um, and yeah. residential was something I had done before, and I just loved it. And I loved working with homeowners and clients and getting creative and people take their time and want to do it right. And it just, that felt like that, that was my calling. Got it. Okay. So uh, your firm, Alvaran Architects, what, uh, what, what are some of the things that you guys are doing now um, as far as projects or, you know, tell us a little bit about your, your firm. So um, really Alvaran Architects, it's uh, primarily just myself. I do have a couple of other individuals, but they work more on a contract basis, uh, mainly for when we need to have drawings done for construction. And so our, our, the firm kind of evolved over time. Um, in the beginning, we did just strictly architectural design work. Uh, we worked with homeowners, interior designers, contractors, and we would design projects for, uh, for our clients and um, they would have a contractor builder project or a builder. Um, mm-hmm. And then slowly over time, we kind of just got into construction um, construction. We can kind of elaborate on that, but um, it was just something that I felt was the next phase, the next step forward. And I just didn't know how we were going to get our foot in there. And once I did, I just, I didn't turn back. I knew that that was the way to go. Right. So we had this conversation uh, during lunch the the other day, but I, I definitely want the listeners to to kind of get an idea of what makes you in particular so special that, you know, you do architecture. And do you want to elaborate a little bit on, on the construction side uh, of what sure. you do as well? Sure. So you know, traditionally, architects do not get involved in construction. They're, they provide the design and the drawings and, and will aid during the construction by coming out and making sure things are being built according to the drawings, but uh, they're not the general contractor or the builder. Um, I'd always envisioned myself being kind of the, uh, the architect that, that would build. And when you actually go back and look at the definition of architect, when you break it down, it, it the translation is master builder. Right. And back in, back in the day, that's what they did. As a matter of fact, in Mexico, the architect is also the contractor. Uh, and construction goes through them. 
Um, and so it's just, just one of those things that I always looked at. Why, why aren't we involved in that aspect? And, and our role, when we are, it's very limited. And so I actually wanted to be the contractor slash builder, be the guy out there managing the project, uh, coordinating with the subcontractors, you know, just like what would you guys do? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be there doing it so we can really, I don't want to say use the word control, but so we can really achieve a much better end product in, uh, for, the, for the client. Mm-hmm. Like maybe more, just more accountability and just uh, making sure that, you know, the, the buck stops with you basically. Yeah. Um, you know, accountability is one in, you know, legally uh, liability wise as an architect, you know, I'm liable for 10 years on, on, a, on a structure. Um, that's our uh, statute of limitation. And so mm-hmm. it's older. Um, and unfortunately, you know, my, my ex boss had, had been in a couple of lawsuits. Uh, they weren't his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what ends up happening is that essentially everybody gets sued. Uh, the builder, the architect, the engineer, even the pool contractor <laughs> gets yeah. these things. Um, and I think what that made me realize uh, was that what I wanted to do, I said, you know, I, I, I'd asked my ex-boss, I said, well, what's the point in us, you know, providing all, the, all these drawings, all these details of the, the execution is still not there. And, you know, look at the liability. I saw what it did. Uh, just kind of just uh, – the headache and the stress of going through those, uh, through that time for him. And I mm-hmm. thought, so if, you know, if, if for whatever reason I'm going to be involved in some sort of a uh, dispute like that, then I at least want to be able to say, you know what, I, I designed it and I built it. And right. for, you know, there's more, A, there is obviously a financial incentive, but think liability wise, that way uh, I just looked at it as you can kind of control the outcome a little bit better to where you kind of maybe head some of that off. Mm-hmm. Really, in the end, I mean, as an architect to be out there building the project you designed is just a it's a great feeling uh, to see what you drew on paper actually coming to life, and uh, and I think to myself, who wouldn't want to be a part of that process? Yeah, you you get to you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor both on the design and and the build, you know. So that that's a pretty uh, that, that's pretty unique. But I, I, why do you think architects wouldn't want to? venture into actually building is there did you did you discuss it with your with your former uh, boss did you ask him or did you try to incentivize him into getting into building i mean yeah is there a restriction there wasn't there's not a restriction i think when you look at so the first part is the the legal aspect of it so even though i am a i'm a licensed architect and i'm also a contractor i have two separate companies so I have the design company that provides architectural design services, and then I have a construction company, and mm-hmm. they're really unrelated. And that's only because when it comes to insurance, is how you were able to get insurance for both professions. Right. Um, and so that that's a big hurdle for some architects. The other one is, and as you as you very well know, construction is you know it's is time. It's very time yeah. consuming to work out details, even the smallest tile detail. <laughs> can, yeah can take you hours on end with it, with your, with your installer. So uh, architects have a bit have a big workload in the office. And that's quite honestly, that's somewhere where I think we would say that we're str- not struggling, but we're, you know, we're, we're, we're too small to, to hire a bunch more people, but mm-hmm. we're also maybe have too much work to where we can just effectively manage everything the way we want. And we, we manage everything. It's just, it makes for an incredibly long day at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. Well, why don't we why don't we talk about that a little bit? I mean, um, so I, I definitely want you know uh, for listeners to be able to take out of this podcast, you know, 
Number one, uh, the hiring process of an architect, the role of an architect in a in a project, and you know maybe you can elaborate your your special process of you know I guess hiring you and then also transitioning that into uh, the construction phase and kind of how all that works out. So, sure. um, why don't we talk a little bit about that? If I'm a if I'm a homeowner and I want an architect, I mean, when do I need an architect? You know, um, is an architect always required on a project? Like you know. Uh, just elaborate a little bit, a little bit on that. We can kind of, you know, kind of sure. dissect the entire process. Yeah. So I think uh, you want to engage uh, the architect as soon as possible. Um, and you don't have to engage it before you have a builder. You can have already a builder in mind. And, you know, the, as a matter of fact, your builder might be a starting point and say, Hey, so I have an architect that I've worked with and I really like working with them. So this is the guy you would go with. Um, if you're looking at hiring an architect individually independent of your builder, um, one of the things that I really look for is it's kind of, uh, it, it can be an issue, um, would be, is, is the architect licensed? Because legally mm-hmm. you're not allowed to call yourself an architect unless you're actually licensed in the state to practice architecture. Um, right. and so that's, that's the first thing. Uh, there's a lot of guys out there uh, who are not licensed architects who might claim or might use the word. And I mean, I, I'm not one that's a stickler. I don't really report those people or anything. I just, uh, but I do. Uh, I think as a homeowner, there, there could be a lot of confusion there that they're they think they're hiring an architect, and in reality, they're hiring maybe a draftsman or something. Somebody that just drafts or knows how to produce uh, plans. Right, right, and and really, um, you know, the fee the the telltale is going to be kind of in the fee. So an architectural fee is going to be much higher than than a fee of someone who just provides a drafting service. Uh, they're likely to base their fees on a cost per square foot. Whereas architects tend to base their fees more uh, lump sum or percentage of construction just depends on how they're structured. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead. Oh, well, just what are the what are the differences between somebody who does drafting and, uh, and and an architect? What are some of the additional? Because not just your fees are going to be higher, you're also going to be providing additional services. Uh, so what are what are some of those services that uh, a homeowner can expect from an architect as opposed to somebody just that just provides plans? Well, so architects, what, we're, what, uh, what I think what we're really good at doing is planning a project uh, from beginning to end and really putting together your project, not only two-dimensionally on plan, but also three-dimensionally, make sure everything's going to work. Um, and then we really, we, there's a process that we go through in terms of this kind of uh, what we call programming, which is how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, how many closets, things like that. Um, so we go through that phase initially and we sit down and it's very detailed and we discuss with the homeowner, okay, the master suite needs to be on one end of the house. We want the other bedrooms on the other end. We don't want anything above us on the second floor. So you really get into all of those details. And then what we do is we basically just create bubble diagrams and start deciding where these spaces go. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there, we take it to the design development stage, uh, phase, which is basically developing that initial schematic design and making sure it's going to work and, and it's going to function for the homeowner. Um, and at that point, that's, I'd say that's probably the, the biggest chunk of time because mm-hmm. at that point we really are working out the details and working out the design, make sure it is going to function and work for the homeowner and their family. Uh, and also be within a budget. That's a, at that point you start discussing, okay, what, what's your budget? You know, you have X amount of dollars, but you want a 10,000 square foot home. It's, you know, uh, I always say, well, unfortunately, it's either scope 
you have to reduce the scope or you have to limit or uh, start limiting the quality of, of your project. Um, mm-hmm. but, just, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say budget is something that, you know, um, I've pushed in the, in the previous episodes and I'm going to continue to push because I think that's one responsibility that I think homeowners need to absorb is, uh, is deciding on the budget. When, when does that budget conversation start? Does it start immediately? Does it start? Absolutely. No, day one. I mean, it really needs to be, it sounds terrible. And I listen to your other uh, individual <laughs> and I'm, I'm with him. Let me have that conversation in the first 10 minutes because mm-hmm. There's nothing worse than meeting with an architect because, you know, initial meeting can be two hours long. I've spent three, four hours with a homeowner discussing their project and their desires and their dream home. And only to find out at the end of the the three hour discussion that their budget is, you know, not even close to where it needs to be. Or maybe they have a very their idea for budget is they have a lot, a big amount that they weren't even you're like, oh, okay, well, you can now you can really elaborate and do this, or you can scale it back and, and do some other things on, that you weren't considering. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely, again, architectural fees are really based. Uh, so let me back up. Uh, traditional architectural fees are based on a percentage of construction. So if you had a project that costs, you know, let's just say it was a half a million dollar house, the architectural fees were a percentage of that construction. Um, mm-hmm. I see more architects getting away from that business model. Because I think it, it, for some homeowners, if they're savvy, it, it might make them feel a little uncomfortable that, oh, I spend more, you get paid more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think what we do in our practice is that we just give a lump sum. It's, mm-hmm. you know, lump sum to design your house and then a lump sum to uh, produce the construction drawings for construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a better business model. It's independent of your, of your budget. And then the homeowner can build that project uh, as expensive or as inexpensive as they like. Got it. Okay. Do, do architects run into, um, the, I'm going to look for three architects and, and price it out, uh, based on, on quality. Like how, like, have you ever run into that issue or, or that type of client where, where they're price shopping, shopping an architect? I mean, is that a good practice? uh, Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's always great to, uh, you know, like anything, you don't always want to, you always want to, I should have put it. Um, I know it happens all the time. Uh, it happens to us quite often. And oftentimes I even know who they're going to, who they're interviewing, mm-hmm. uh, the other potential architects going to be. So I have no problem with that because at least if I look, I feel that if, uh, at least if it's apples to apples, it's someone who's licensed and is very knowledgeable and has a great reputation. Then I'm, for me, it's like, I'm, I'm all for it. That's mm-hmm. great. You know, um, I don't mind a little competition at the end of the day. Sure. Um, but I also think that if you only, if you so architects do experience that, but if you solely make your decision based on fee, then or, or cost, then I think you miss out on the opportunities. So uh, it's not always, I don't think it's always a direct rep- representation of the end product you're going you're gonna to get. Right. Sometimes it's, uh, even with a general contractor or a remodeler. Sure. And, you know, the, the least expensive guy may not be the option, not, it may not even be the most expensive guy. But it also comes out of process. How does some other individual work? And for example, um, I have professional liability insurance. I know other architects don't. So that's a little, you know, that's an overhead cost that we have that others don't. And those are things to consider when you're hiring somebody is, you know, do you have all the, do you have insurance in case, unfortunately, something happens and, you know, then something comes up. Right. Do when hiring an architect, you know, and, and, 
the questions that are just coming into my mind to, to try to relate, you know, both fields of construction and architecture, you know, the, the way you build a cabinet or, or the type of finish on, a, on, on drywall or something to that effect, that ultimately does affect the price. When you're discussing budget for a home and a homeowner has a particular budget, how do you translate the, the quality or the finish to somebody who is maybe building their home for the first time or doing a major remodel? How do you translate that without them having, you know, experienced uh, this before? Sure. You know, it's interesting because I think you, uh, when we had lunch, um, you, you had asked me, I think, uh, about the specifications. Right. And then, and then I remember the podcast that you had with uh, the John, John, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think he's the one that said that the architect would give them like a booklet of details. Right. Uh, so I'll, the way we try to translate cost, so we really, it, it's a back and forth process with the homeowner to determine their, their budget, the kind of the look they feel that they want for their home. And then we kind of back into it as to what level of trans we're going to provide. Because mm-hmm. what I want to do is, Sometimes if you give way too much information, way too many details, you can scare away a lot of really good contractors or a lot of builders. Yeah. Get that and say, you know, I'm used to only seeing half of that, and that's that seems like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, I think what we do is we have a general specification list. If if, if we're not going to build the project, if we know it's going to go, they're going to bid it out to other builders, then we just have what we call outlines. And it'll just call out the drywall finish, you know, whether it's five-eighths or half-inch, um, you know, just call out a very basic, uh, you know, just a cabinet kind of, you know, face frame, a um, mm-hmm. flush panel overlay, things like that. But we don't get too much into the nitty gritty of the details because, A, that, that's something that the home, that it's a cost that the homeowner will have to pay us for. Okay. And sometimes what ends up happening is that, you know, architects have had a reputation of designing these really great elaborate homes with all these details and drawings and, and they bid it out and it's very expensive and they can't get it built. Kind of. We try to find kind of a happy medium in that, you know, we'll give you a really good, you know, really nice set of drawings, really uh, with enough detail there for your builder or contractor to price it out. But, you know, I, I'm really reluctant to spend a lot of time and the client's money just developing these really expensive details that in the end may not even uh, happen. Maybe feasible. Got it. Okay. So the homeowner uh, and you have, have done, you know, your bubble diagrams and, and you're on an, your initial phase of design. Um, let's go back to that. What, what happens after that? So after that, uh, you know, we have just a schematic design. And after that, we start looking, developing the plan, meaning we actually start getting into, uh, okay, what's the, we start designing now the outside of the house, the elevations. Okay. What size window where these windows going to go? What's the composition of these windows? Is it, a single hung, a double hung, a casement window. Um, mm-hmm. Then we really start discussing style. And by the way, speaking of style, I was going to say that I think a really good architect can, can, can design in any style. I don't think necessarily, I think we all have our own personal style that we design to, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we've very contemporary projects. We also design very traditional projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and believe it or not, the traditional ones are harder because there's already an established way it needs to look contemporary you can kind of you know kind of yeah. wing it and say this, this will look good <laughs> yeah um but yeah i mean I, the process is plans elevations and once we uh get through that initial uh design of your floor plans and elevations at that point we always recommend that you have it priced out uh priced out to a builder or whether we're going to be the builders will price it out for the homeowner 
um, and give them a, a, a nice detail, uh, you know, a breakdown, a thorough breakdown of that. Um, but that being said, you know, when I think uh, on your other podcast with John, it's about whether what we do is we have what we call professional services agreement, mm-hmm. which basically means that uh, we're going to price out your project and give you a very detailed bid. And at the end of the day, you don't hire us to build your project. Then at least you have the design and you have a cost estimate to which you can have anybody else uh, price out for you. And they don't have to feel obligated to use us as their, you know, as their builder. As a builder. How, how much, so you discuss budget from, from the start. Right. How close of a budget are you or expecting to be from the, from the time you start? to the time you finish? Does it fluctuate a lot? Notwithstanding, you know, change orders or increases in budget. I mean, what is your goal to be within um, at the time of pricing the project once all the plans and everything are done? I try to be, if we, if we build it ourselves, we try to be within about 10 to 15%, uh, mm-hmm. 10 to 15% deviation because that's when, you know, the details really come back and you really start looking at exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, you know, we have a lot of historical data from our projects and right. we plug those numbers in. And, and when we give them a cost estimate, I always add a little like a little two percent, three percent just for inflation. And, like, yeah. And, and I hope that 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 pretty much covers it. Like right now, we're, we're um, actually it's a job that, that I believe you guys are looking at the one off of Sunset. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that we just got back all the final pricing on everything. We're expecting a few other things and. You know, so far we're within budget of what we discussed with the homeowner, um, and they selected a few things that are a little more expensive. And so I was glad. I, like for example, their window package was uh, more expensive than we anticipated, and we're kind of right there. So it was nice mm-hmm. to feel comfortable knowing that hey, you know, we 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 budgeted, you know, we priced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even those contingencies were were accounted for. So therefore, you're still within budget. Absolutely. And, and, and that, that, and in any case, I still recommend to my, my homeowners, my clients say, Hey, have a contingency uh, for anything because, you know, I mean, they might, they might decide they want to do something else or something else comes up that no one's aware of, especially in the remodeling. As I know you're, you're well aware. Yeah. You expect something to be Joyce going one way and you start tearing it apart and realize, Oh man, these go the complete opposite direction. Yeah. That's happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the process between, um, let's say, initial interview or even let's say hire, because the interview can that really is beyond your control. But let's say from the hire to uh, pricing it out and having a complete set of plans on an average size house, uh, what do you what can a homeowner expect that time frame to, to, to take? So uh, let's just say if everything kind of went according to plan. So I, I would say the quickest we've been able to. Uh, produce something would be three months mm-hmm. is closer to four to six months, depending on the level of detail that, that we're providing. And the reason it, it can take up to six months is because we're designed, not only we designed the, the floor plan and the outside of the house, but we also designed the inside of the house. So we draw all the kitchen cabinets, all the bathroom cabinets, all the, if you have a mudroom, utility room, we get into the details of, you know, just, I mean, there's standard dimensions for countertops, but, we really discuss what's a drawer, what's a door, what's a pullout drawer. Um, you know, where do you want to hang your coats? It's, it's a lot of back and forth with the homeowners, a lot of information that, that we receive that then we produce a design. And, and then the lighting plan, we do, we light the lights and we, we sit down with them and say, this is where all your outlets are at. This is where your switches are at. That's a three-way switch. That's a four-way switch. 
Um, where do you want to control your floodlights from? You know, security lights in the front, back, wherever. And all those items need to be discussed because I'm happy to locate them. I'm just, it's always one of those things that we always want our home, you know, we want their input because they're the ones that are going to live in the home. The, you know, right. so they might have a routine that we're not aware of that we're able to incorporate in, into the design. Mm-hmm. So, and so if a homeowner was to reach out to an architect, is that what you would consider a standard service? Um, or is it something that, you know, you, you kind of des- design a package for the homeowner? Uh, yeah. Would, uh, that, so that's a standard service, a standard kind of architectural service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course we, we can always tailor services to particular homeowners and budgets. Mm-hmm. Uh, work with, uh, for example, we have one builder that we work with. Um, he, he pretty much, uh, he buys lots and sells them. And then when he sells a lot, he sells the service he sells to the, to the that potential homeowner is that I, I'm your, I'll be your builder. I'll build your house. Mm-hmm. And then refers us to them. So we work with that particular homeowner to develop their plans and everything for that, for that builder. But in the process, uh, with that builder, he has a, his cabinet guy does all the interior details. And so then we don't do any of the interior elevation design. We let that builder and his cabinet uh, designer do it all themselves. And so then obviously our, our services are less for them. Right. But if a homeowner were to, you know, they've never worked with an architect before they want to reach out to an architect is the interior elevations. Like, is that what they would consider part of what they're looking for? In the services of an architect, or is it, uh, you know, does it vary from architect to architect? No, that's pretty standard. I would say that that's what I would consider a kind of a, a standard uh, package, so to speak. Um, you know, so it's floor plans, elevations, uh, definitely inter elevations, a lighting plans. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there out, it's just, I mean, a, an architect is, can design as much as you want them to. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and for example, some of them are very skilled at doing landscape design too. Uh, they can design right. landscaping, all your coping details. Uh, and there are landscape architects for that, that we worked with. Um, and I know one particular architect who, who's licensed for architecture and landscape architecture. So mm-hmm. he, he does a kind of a, a full package. Um, so there's a, there's, it really just depends on, you know, what level of service you're looking for from your architect. Got it. Okay. Um, so, so the clients reached out, they have uh, decided on a budget, they have your plans drawn out, they're ready to go, and um, they decide to hire you uh, as the contractor. I, I want to definitely hear you know, a little bit more in depth on, on your decision to start doing uh, construction because, and, and I guess maybe some feedback on, um, on how, what percentage of architects that you know, or as long as you've been in the business that also do architecture and, uh, and, and how, you know, that's working out for you. Sure. Um, you know, like we discussed uh, the other day. Um, so I got into construction. Uh, it was kind of a two, two phase process. Uh, the first, my first kind of, uh, way into it was my wife's cousin, um, had, had, I met him at a family reunion and he said, Hey, I want to design, um, and build a, uh, like a starter home. He's like, I own property on Pasadena. Can you, can you help me out? So sure. No problem. We went and looked, he wanted to do 11, 1200 square foot maximum size houses because I want to build, you know, I'm either, either going to sell them or I'm going to lease them out. 
So sure, no problem. So we designed it and it was a really unique challenge because it was a, a small footprint, small than, you know, it's about half of the, half the size of a house that we would work on. So mm-hmm. we, we had to really think about, we became really good at, we researched a lot in terms of how houses after World War II were developed. Um, and it just, you know, uh, it was a lot of fun. And then he tells me, hey, okay, great. Now I want you to go build it. <laughs> right. I said, hey, Pablo, I said, I don't build houses, you know, I just design them. And he right. goes, no, no, he goes, but I think you can build it. And again, I stressed him. I was like, you know, I've never done this before. And he's like, it's not that hard. It's, it's a house. And so I went, okay, well, you, you know, you seem to think we can do this. So let's, let's go for it. Yeah. Um, and that, that was my first initial uh, step into it. But he pretty much handled the financial aspect of the project. So he was in charge. So he took care of paying everybody, doing everything. I did all the project management, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did that. We did a couple of houses like that and uh, it, it worked out well. Uh, and I learned a lot I Learned just in terms of just how to build a home and the whole process and, you know, and figuring out what works for you and what doesn't work for you was very, it was, I mean, just the, what I learned was uh, incredible. Yeah, how much did that help you, or how much has that helped you uh, with the with the architect side? Like, has it changed anything? Yeah, now I now I look at what we do. Let's just put it this way: after I did a couple of projects for Pablo, uh, I called a lot of my builder friends and I apologized for some of the <laughs> line work that we did. <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry, to, you know, that we did that, and I didn't realize how hard it was going to be to build that or to detail that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it definitely it's made it's made me a better architect. I know it's made the the uh, the guys that we work with uh, better as well. Um, we start looking at small little things. Just you know, for example, anytime you have a you have a plumbing line in a wall, immediately that wall is going to be a two by six wall. We don't even do a two by four wall. You know, it's, it's just little things like that. Um, we start. Is that, is that so you don't hit a pipe or? Well, you know, because the pipe's what three? It's just under three and a half inches. Uh-huh. You have a, a you know two by four walls, three and a half inches wide. So, yeah, you're, you're talking. You're you're you got to be really good at uh, your plumber's got to be really great at getting that, that pipe right in the middle of the uh, of the wall that PVC. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's made us better in, in that regard. Um, and we also look at other things, just very pragmatic things. You know, where drain lines come down inside. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have a, if you have a two-story house, you know, you've got a, a main sewer line, plumbing stack. And so where's that going to come? And so we try to account for that somewhere in our design that, okay, this is a little area that we have to kind of run this big chase or this big uh, plumbing line somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like little stuff like that, that you don't think about when you're an architect and you're designing a home, you're like, Hey, well, the builder's going to figure that out. Yeah. Um, and, and then you're, you're scratching your head when it's somewhere you don't want it to be. Um, right. So our thought was like, hey, let's just get involved and, you know, and we'll figure out where we want it to go so we can avoid the the chase that's spread out in the middle of the hallway somewhere. Sure. Um, okay. So you, so you worked with your, with, with, with building uh, 1100 square foot homes, did a couple of them and how, how did that evolve into, into what you're doing now? Um, and so after that, we did, uh, we did an auto body shop for Pablo and his son, uh, Lalo. Mm-hmm. Uh in 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 uh in Pasadena or South Houston, and that was a five thousand square foot auto body shop. Um, that was a metal building that took actually up on our Facebook page, um, and so that was a lot of fun. That was very challenging. It was my first and I'm not going to say only uh, commercial job. I hope to do more, but maybe 
maybe something uh, that was just challenging because we weren't familiar with the commercial process. Right. And, and so, but we learned a lot on that one as well. But, um, you know, it, it was a great project to work on. And then from there, uh, you know, I worked with one homeowner. So what really got me working with homeowners directly, uh, unfortunately, and I think I'd mentioned it to you, was that we had a, uh, we were the architect on a particular project. Mm-hmm. And the homeowner hired a builder strictly based on cost. Right. I mean, the lowest cost guy got the job. Um, and everything started off great, man. Everybody was happy. You know, this is going well. I had my reservations in the beginning, but I didn't really want to seem like I was a Debbie Downer on it. I was kind of be upbeat and saying maybe this guy will surprise us all. Um, And then about halfway through the project, uh, it was a huge remodel, by the way. I mean, you had to tear apart half the house and then you were doing a big addition to it and remodeling the whole house on top of that. It's a lot of phasing and sequencing to go on. And you really had to plan how you were going to take it apart and put it it back together. Mm -hmm. Um, and about halfway through the project, people quit showing up with the workers. And right. homeowner called me and said, hey, no one's here. What's going on? I have no idea. I'll call the builder. Mm-hmm. So call what, the- what relationship? You, so the, the homeowner hired you and then the homeowner also uh, hired the, the, the builder just separately? Or how did yeah. that – how did they How did they find each other? So I uh, – we, the, I had worked for the, I did some work for the home. So the, I was referred to the homeowner by the interior designer at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she referred me to, to him and um, I designed this project for him. And then he wanted to, he wanted to price it out. And so he got three different bids and three different builders. One builder was the one that myself and the interior designer recommended. And he was the most mm-hmm. expensive one, but I know he would have been the, the right choice. Uh, he right. would have been perfect. The other two, uh, the middle, I'll say the guy who came in the middle, I never heard of him. Um, he did seem to do good work, but uh, the homeowner didn't like his uh, his price. He said that they still think it's too high. The third individual, which is the one that he picked, it was actually a combination of who he picked and someone that I kind of knew through another through another individual, through another, uh, I think it's through an engineer. Mm-hmm. And that's how we met this particular individual. Um, and so I never had, I had worked with them on one other job, uh, and it was a small scale project and everything seemed to go fine, but I kind of felt like maybe this particular project was kind of uh, out of his wheelhouse in terms of scale. It was, mm-hmm. and it was, you were adding on, it was like 1500 square feet to a house that was, I don't know, three or 4,000 square feet already. So it was, yeah. and then you had to remodel the whole left, the whole master wing of the house was getting remodeled. And so in an upstairs, maybe wood floors. And so it was very elaborate. Yes, yeah. Where the home, the homeowners weren't living in the house. I'm assuming. No, 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 no. Yeah. He, the homeowner <laughs> at one point he could live in it. And I said, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. You'd be, I mean, I know we, we wouldn't be surprised if they were, but uh, just, yeah. just to kind of paint a picture. So, um, and another quick question. Um, so how does that affect you? as being the architect on the project when it just goes south and, and the homeowner calls you like what, I mean, other than the project not moving forward, um, what kind of an effect does it have on you? Well, uh, it has a huge effect on us because, you know, let's just say there is a, something goes wrong. There's a, there's a claim, um, uh, the you know, homeowner not happy or the roof leaks or there's an issue. 
course, the homeowner is going to go to the builder and say, hey, Mr. Builder, you didn't do this right. And then the builder, you know, not all of them will just turn around and say, well, I was given bad drawings. You know, the architect mm-hmm. gave me the information I needed. And then th- thus you start the, the whole cycle of a, of a, yeah. of a dispute. Um, and so it affects us in that regard in that if, you know, if, if, if the homeowner does not hire a qualified individual, then, you know, we're, we're, like, we're on the hook. We can potentially be liable for something we had nothing to do with, which was the case with my ex-boss. His mm-hmm. lawsuits were like that. Uh, he was sued for two, you know, one was an HVAC problem and the other one was a roofing problem. And then both, both times he was brought into the lawsuit and he had nothing to do with it, but his insurance company, because they didn't want to keep fighting it, just paid out a claim just to move on. And they said it was less expensive to pay the claim than it was to actually defend him and to prove his innocence. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I look at that, at, you know, I was, what, 26 at the time, 25 when that happened. And I just saw that as, uh, you know, I was like, hey, you should always hire qualified people to do your project because we can potentially be liable for something that we have nothing to do with. Right. But, you That's know, but, you know, the, the, the other thing I was going to say is also is that, you know, the, the architect is only is, is his design or her design is only mm-hmm. as a contractor or builder mm-hmm. builds it. And then the contractor, his quality and his way to interpret that design is only as good as the architect's drawings and, and the details given to him or her. Right. I mean, it, it's, you know, if, if as an architect, I don't give the contractor the details he needs to pull off a, a unique detail. Then when I show up, when the homeowner shows up and the looks doesn't look good, then it doesn't look like at all what we expected. And really, the blame's on your architect because you know you need to take the time to really figure it out for someone how this is going to come together. Um, and like and, that, and, that, and you solve that problem because you do it both, right? Right, and that that was one of the reasons was it so that that process can take you know by the time the contractor gets to the detail, calls you or emails you, and then you sit down, you you visit out at the job site, and you come back to your office and you work out. The, you know that could be two, three days, maybe even a week before there's a resolution to to that detail. Whereas right. in, and it, we we see it up front and we start thinking about it way ahead of time, start thinking through how we want this to, to look. And then we might even do a little quick mock-up to see what it's going to look like. And then we just we're able to execute it. And you might lose a day versus losing a week in a construction project, which is a week, you know, at the end. I mean, everybody's clamoring for an extra two hours to finish. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so this lady, um, they stopped showing up to her house. What, what happens after that? Um, so the homeowner, uh, I told the builder, Hey, can we meet on site? He said, sure. Let's go ahead and meet. I show up to the job site. He's in his truck. Uh, and he's been drinking, um, no. and even noon. And, uh, he, he was, he was already, he was already drunk at the wow. job site. And, um, I told him, I said, Hey, you, you have to leave. He's like, well, aren't we supposed to meet the homeowner like at I don't know, 1230 or one o'clock? And I said, yeah, I said, but the state you're in, I said, you know, the husband, I said, I said he's liable to kill you. if you sh- One, you, you, you know, no one's been working for the last three weeks and then you, you're here and you're, you know, you're drunk. That's not going to be a, I was like, this is not going to end well for you at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I told the homeowner what happened when he showed up. He just turned to me and said, okay, no problem. We'll just fire him. I was like, okay, well, all right, we'll just write him a letter, say that you fire him. Yeah, I'll fire him. And then I turned to him and I said, well, who's going to finish your project? You don't have a builder. And he just says, you are. <laughs> I'm sorry? And he goes, yeah, you're going to help me finish this thing. I went, hey, again, uh, man's like, I'm, I'm not a contractor. It's not what I do. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I can do this, but 
This is not what I do day in and day out. He told yeah. me, he said, between you and the interior designer are the only two people that we trust at this point. He said, everybody has taken money. And that's the other thing that this particular contractor took a large sum of money and didn't pay the subcontractors. Yeah. Um, so he was just pocketing the money. He obviously, he had a, uh, he had an alcohol problem mm-hmm. um, at any rate. And so then I told the homeowners like, okay, I said, but I said, man, I was worried. I said, look, there's a lot of liability here for something that's already been built. I don't know what I'm right. getting into. And I don't know that. I, and he told me, don't worry about it. And we, he said, if you want me to, I'll release you a liability for that. Just help me finish the project. Right. And the next day we literally, we got back out there and it was, it was a, uh, it was a puzzle trying to figure out what, what was done, what wasn't right. And then what was done wrong. <laughs> yeah. Right. We spent like a week just documenting everything. And then we got started and that's how I got into the, I guess the journal contracting business with homeowners. Was, what year, what year was that? That had to be, Oh man. Uh, 2000 and maybe 12, somewhere in there. 2013. Right. Wow. So you've, uh, arc- between architecture and construction, it's over 20 years of, of work. Yes. Uh, I started practicing architecture as an intern back in 1997. Yeah. Uh, was when I first started. And I've, ever since then, I've, I've always been practicing architecture since then. Nice. Um, so, um, so you started doing, uh, re- so what, what kind of projects, uh, do you look for now or, or how do you vet your, how do you vet your clients? Cause so we've discussed, you know, the homeowner side, they reach out, you know, um, either through the builder or, you know, through, through interview processes and, and the design aspect of that, uh, from the architect side, what are some of the things that you look for in, in, in a client what kind of client do to help you, uh, uh, with your process on your side to help you do your job? Really? Well, you know, we look for in clients when we work with, so architecturally, I'll say we probably design total between remodelings and, and new construction. We'll do anywhere from 10 to 15 projects a year. We average about 12 projects a year, kind of what we average. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe from a small little porch design to, uh, you know, 5,000, 6,000 or 3,000 square foot uh, custom home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we all, we only do two pro- we only build two projects at a time. That's it. Okay. Mainly because I'm I'm the one that's actually running the job, mm-hmm. and I know the amount of level and detail it takes to build these things and to do these things and all the coordination involved. And if I had to manage, you know, fifteen architectural projects and five construction projects, it's just there's not enough hours in the day to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, but what, what I look for or what we look for when we work with a homeowner is not, not even style. I mean, really to us, the style is just, it's independent. It's, uh, it, A, is it a good fit? Uh, the homeowner personality wise, do, do, do we get along with the individual? Do we feel like, Hey, this is a, you know, they, they have a shared vision in terms of they want to do something really nice and really unique. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we typically don't work with, uh, so for example, I would say I've never worked with an investor. Um, right. uh, even though we've interviewed with a few of them, I think, uh, I think in, in that's always a, a world that I've been intrigued by that I thought about maybe investments. And then I have a friend who's an investor. He told me not to do it. So, right. <laughs> so, uh, it, it just depends. Um, but then, you know, really we look for, uh, Organization is, or, you know, we, you know, the homeowners, and, and we're we're pretty organized in how we do things. Um, and then we look at a homeowner that we feel is fairly organized and going to make good decisions, and no, not good, but just kind of 
decisions in, the, in a timely manner because that's what holds up any processes when decisions aren't made and you're waiting around. So is that, that, is that a, a, you know, cause we, we go through that as well, you know, um, indecisive homeowners. I mean, we don't expect homeowners to, to know anything, uh, to be honest with you. If they do that, that, that definitely helps if they have inspirational photos, if, if they kind of uh, have an idea of, of the design and everything. Um, so for us, it's not really that much of a turnoff if, uh, if a homeowner doesn't, um, know anything, uh, as, as other than the fact that they know that they want to remodel it, is that something that's a turnoff for, for you where, uh, homeowner just approaches you and just, and just starts off with, I just want to build a house, but I don't know what I want. Is that something that you find is challenging to overcome or is it just a matter of putting in time? No, it's just a matter of really putting in time. But I always tell most homeowners is like, even when they tell me like this particular homeowner that we're working with right now, that we're going to start through project this year. Um, they, that's exactly what they say. We don't know what we want, but in okay. reality, I find that all homeowners know exactly what they want. It's just a matter of throughout the process, you filtering out what they like. And they right. were really quick. So for example, one of the things that we'll ask them, I always tell my homeowners, show me what you like, whether it's on Pinterest or house or whatever other you know platform we use or, you know, photographs or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, I was like, but also show me what you don't like. Because what you don't like rules out 80% of what's out there. Right. And, and so for, for us, I like to see what you don't like because that way I know exactly, oh, okay, they don't like French provisional or, you know, they don't like grace for whatever reason. Okay, well, we're going to go in this direction. You know, it's going to be something with more color. Right. Um, uh, and so I find that most homeowners actually do know what they like. They just maybe don't, you know, don't know how to express it quite yet. But eventually over time, every homeowner I've worked with uh, has – by the time we're either getting ready to start construction or in the middle of it, they know exactly what they like, what they don't like. And they're pretty quick to be able to tell you yes, no. Um, and, uh, you know, or maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and I will say it, maybe it's a generational thing, but we worked with uh, one, two, three millennial uh, homeowners and they're phenomenal. They're very organized. So kudos to the millennial crowd. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they, they have their, their Pinterest boards and everything's organized and they make a decision and that's it. It's done. Like there's no re- reason to revisit that, that particular uh, decision made. Uh, that, that was going to be a question uh, um, as far as like communication um, with your, with your clients. Do you, do you find that uh, it has become easier because you have access to apps and, 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 and phones or, or is that still, uh, is the industry still um, a, a sit down meeting? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the fence with that. You know, I'm, I'm at, we're actually working with a, with a homeowner, um, you know, a, a little younger and, you know, we're going to do their design and, and, and some pretty extensive remodel. And yeah. she was happy to see that we work with apps and a lot of it is digital. And then, you know, we do, ha- we have come uh, across some clients where, um, they may be able to use the the apps and the technology that we have to offer, but they just they're not susceptible to it. Um, it's still more of a of a personal thing. What do you feel about that? Uh, well, I think in the end, uh, if it's a big decision needs to be made, I like to do it in person. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's in the design phase uh, or definitely during construction. So during construction, once we get started, we have weekly walkthroughs with our mm-hmm. homeowners. 
and we walk through framing, we walk through the different various, uh, you know, whatever's going on that week, if they want to, then that always, uh, we'll have a weekly walkthrough with them, uh, because decisions, we need decisions made so we can outline the work for the next week. My job uh, as a project manager, construction manager is always to be one or two weeks ahead of what's of actually what's happening on the ground today. Um, and so a lot of what I do is, is prep the homeowner ahead of time so I can get decisions so then I can implement and do what we need to do on the, on the back end to execute that properly. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny because I kind of feel that, uh, not to get philosophical, but for all the technology and all the ways of communication we have, I feel that we still have, we still don't communicate properly, uh, no matter what the medium is. Uh, that actually, I don't know if you guys experienced that, uh, but I kind of, feel that sometimes that happens we do uh i think it's the ambiguity of 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 what we do um i think home, it, it's it's almost like on on the trade side it's uh based on experience of what you know we're able to accomplish and on the on the homeowner side it's more of just what what they see you know either through photos or you know, even in, in brief in somebody else's home that may have gotten remodeled, but they don't really understand some of the technicalities of it. And I think a lot of that, you know, right. just gets, uh, just gets lost and they're just unable to communicate. And, you know, maybe we, we find that some of the things that they request are a lot more difficult and just that, that whole translation, uh, just kind of, you know, falls apart, yeah. uh, no, between I'm the no, I'm, I'm with you. I, and I think for us, I mean, so we, we like to, uh, I like the apps, uh, definitely do. I think it, uh, it, it makes it easier for the homeowners. Uh, I like it because it's like a, like one central place where everything lives and all the decisions are made and everybody sees it. Uh, one of the things that we do, we have a, a Google Docs document. It's a, it's a kind of a live document. It's always online. Mm-hmm. And that's our weekly walkthroughs from that. And then basically I set an agenda. Uh, the homeowner sees it. They get a notification. Hey, Franco set up the you know well, weekly agenda. I, I outline the things that I want to cover. And then underneath mine, they, they outline the things they want to cover. And then I take the iPad during the walkthrough and whatever we, whatever decision we've made, uh, then I just type it right there, what the decision was made. And they, they, they know that my color is red uh, okay. and their color is blue. So anything in red is me answering uh, whatever we, we were deciding on. And blue is, is, is her question. So I'm able to see it live and I can reply to them uh, as well. Um, okay. That way there's just kind of a running storyboard of the decisions made from beginning all the time. Now, does that, is that because you're building it also? Like, because you had mentioned uh, the, the project management uh, side of it. Is that are you playing the role of an architect as a project manager, or because you're also doing the building? Uh, also, well, that that's only when we do the building portion. Uh, okay. When we even when we design it, though, we we haven't implemented that part in the architectural design. We use more of the apps, uh, more of that coordination for construction during the design phase. Uh, we do a lot of email. Uh, mm-hmm. Keep all of our emails, um, and then just uh, phone calls. Uh, you know, we take notes during our phone calls and during meetings. One of the things that, I mean, you look at some of the drawings when I take the meetings, uh, I write on my, on my drawings. They're not clean. Uh, I always mm-hmm. get one or a clean copy. Uh, but on mine, I take all my notes on the plans, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I come back to the office, I don't have to, I don't have to look for a piece of paper. It's all right there. 
And that I wrote down that on on keeping track of all the details that they want for their projects. Mm-hmm. And now, what um, to what extent is an architect involved, or to what extent are you involved as an as the architect of the project? If you're not going to uh, do the building itself, like where where do you, where do your responsibilities end um, from from an architect's point of view? If you are working with another builder, so. For example, right now we have a one project uh, with a homeowner that they're they have their own builder, um, and we did, we already this is the third house we designed for them, um, and they, they they picked another builder to do it. We we it just just was timing really we couldn't uh, it wasn't going to work for us or for them to for us to build it. So they mm-hmm. picked another builder, um, and in that in a case like that, and this is not all. I'd say probably about half of the projects we design for homeowners are what we consider full architectural services, meaning we have a design phase, uh, construction documentation phase, where we actually put together the drawings for permitting and construction, and then what we call construction contract administration, which is during the construction phase, we as the architects go out and only look to make sure that the building or that the the house is being uh, built according to our drawings. In other words, we're not out doing inspections, we're not out doing project management, we're not doing any of that. All we're doing saying, yeah, that wall is where it needs to go, or, you know, those openings are framed, what they, what they need to look like. And we really, we're also out there with the home, the contractor and the homeowner to coordinate any maybe unusual details that might come up throughout construction. Uh, the contractor might have a, you know, question about, hey, I see you got a window detail here that you're doing this out of the other, but here's my concern. Can I do it this way or do you think that way? And then we work those things out for them. Uh, we work out on the field or, or we'll provide them another drawing if they need that. And that's usually an additional service uh, for most architects. We bill hourly for that kind of a service. Um, mm-hmm. One of the other things that we do that, that I, if we were able to, uh, and I tell the homeowners is, you know, let us be involved on that, that side. Also, also for the financial aspect. So what we do is if they have a builder and the builder is uh, have their monthly draws, we're making sure whatever he's drawing is actually being, you know, in other words, if he's asking for $10,000 for a certain line item, we make sure that, hey, you know, last month he did $10,000 worth of work regarding that, that, that line item. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that overpaying or just paying out money and not knowing where that money is going. We like to try to keep tabs a little bit on the financial aspect of things as well. Nice. Okay. That, that's good. That's interesting. How do you overcome, you know, in, in the perfect world, you know, you, the client, if you're do also doing the builder or another builder, you know, everything, uh, you know, works out to be uh, exactly how you want it to. There, there's really nothing to discuss at that point. Right. But when objections, you know, come about, how, how do you overcome a dispute with the builder or the homeowner when either your plan or the way that the builder uh, does it, um, the homeowner just isn't, isn't satisfied or isn't happy with, with the outcome. You know, how, how are those challenges overcome uh, when there's three parties involved? You know, one of the things, so one of the things that, that we do and also the uh, kind of the American Institute of Architects says that as, as the, I think it states that as the architect, you're supposed to be kind of like an impartial jury between the homeowner and the builder or contractor. Oh, okay. We, we really, when we go and let's just say the contractor calls me and says, hey, the homeowner's not happy. This doesn't look like what he had all envisioned. Okay. We meet out there. We discuss it. First thing we try to figure out is what, what, 
what in particular does not meet their expectation? Mm-hmm. And we, from there, we work backwards and say, okay, is it something that maybe we as the architect didn't do a good job of setting up that expectation? Because I mm-hmm. think it's one of the key things in any project, especially if you're going to build it, is managing your client's expectation, uh, time, money, and also what something is going to look like in the end. Uh, and so then I, just, I step back and I try to think, okay, we had that conversation regarding that, 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 okay. And then I go back through my notes um, and then I'll politely remind them that we had that discussion. This is what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just depends. Um, but also we, if, it's, if the contractor made a mistake, then um, I usually try to get out there ahead of time beforehand and take a look at whatever it could be. So if there's a mistake on the contractor side, I'd also just don't want to throw the contractor or the builder under the bus in front of the client. Right. You know, I try to find out, hey, what happened here? You know, was this an accident? And, you know, then something they'll, they'll tell us what it. Okay, so here's a way we can resolve it. Here's a resolution. This is how we can do it. Because um, that, that's the last thing I want to do is make the builder or the contractor look bad in that kind of a situation. Sure. I, I think our job as architects is always to look at it as a collaborative effort between ourselves, a homeowner, and whoever the builder contractor is. Um, Mm. Therefore, we really try to make it, I think if you get buy-in from all parties involved, you get a much better product. Right. Yeah, I've I've always said that, you know, when all parties um, get along, the project ultimately ends up being the best that it can possibly be. When you have tension or when people just don't get along for one reason or another, you know, the job's hard enough to begin with, you know, having that extra pressure, it just, the, the project suffers, you know? Right. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and to that, that, that end, I would say to the homeowners, you know, sometimes I know homeowners have, uh, you know, um, might have some things going on in their life personally or whatnot. And sometimes mm-hmm. building a home is stressful. Mm-hmm. And, and I always say that, you know, uh, building a house is going to reveal, could potentially reveal for the homeowner any stressors they have in their life, personally going on between them or within their family. It's yeah. just, it, it's just kind of going to, you know, hit on that stressor a little bit harder. Uh, and I think eventually it'll make them, uh, it could make for a, not a very fun experience for the homeowner. Cause there's a lot of decisions to be made. You know, right. today like I met with a homeowner to go look at windows. Uh, we spent four hours looking at windows and, <laughs> They just look glossed over. And I was like, look, I asked these questions because I guarantee you. And he's like, yeah. He's like, if you gave me that window, I wouldn't like it. It's like, there you go. That's exactly right. what you have. Take the time now. And he and they were both like, I didn't realize there was so much to windows. And I said, you know, there's a lot to windows. How much do you want to learn? How much do you want to know? And if mm-hmm. you don't, and you let us pick it, we'll pick it for you. But, you know, there is a cost associated with that window. And you look at the price tag, you're like, whoa, that's an expensive window. But yeah. then you look at it, he's like, oh, now I know why it's an expensive window. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so another thing I wanted to bring up um, is when an architect's needed, and, and I heard you say um, from like porch additions, um, are there limits to the kind of project that you would do? Is, is it dollar amount? Is it, um, is it, is it type of project? When uh, do you think it's appropriate for a homeowner to reach out to an architect? In terms of, of scope I, of again, I, Yeah, I think the sooner the better. I mean, uh, it depends. So I'll back up a little bit. In the state of Texas, an archi- for residential projects, an architect is not required to design a home, period. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, a building designer, which is like a, a little bit more than a draftsman, you can go to a draftsman 
or you can buy plans online as long as the lot fits on your the house plans you're buying fits on your lot. Um, I don't know how many times I've seen people say, hey, I got these plans online. You know, we paid X amount of dollars and we want to build it. And you look at it, you're like, well, a lot's, you know, 100 feet wide. And the plan's 200 feet long. So, right. you know, it's like always double check the dimensions. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of uh, I would so you, legally you don't need an architect. It's up to you. Now, there's so many municipalities. I think uh, I know Austin requires for residential projects that, that there are, has to be a licensed architect. Mm-hmm. Definitely, if it's two stories, uh, city of Houston doesn't have that. I don't think any of the other kind of what we call the villages like Bunker Hill, Hedwig. Mm-hmm. I don't think they require that either. Um, so, th- I would say in that regard, an architect's more of a luxury uh, for your project. If, but I, I, like anything, I think if you want a particular design, a particular look, feel, um, then I would hire an architect. Hiring an architect, it's like having a suit made for yourself. Uh, you okay. got the fabric. The fabric is then draped over you. Uh, everything is cut to fit to your size, uh, your body type, your length. Uh, mm-hmm. You want a little extra room anywhere you want it. The, the tailor is happy to give you the luxe room anywhere you want it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I feel the experience of an architect is you come to us and we literally design a house around you, the way you live. And more importantly, what we try to do is envision future planning. How you plan to live in the future, something that maybe you didn't think about or no one else. And then we try to incorporate some of that into the design. Uh, that way you it definitely won't. If we build it, we definitely do that. Anything behind the walls. I'm a big proponent of just do it now because you're not going to want to. Trust me. After you put drywall, up, last thing you want to do is have one of my guys come in here and have to cut some drywall to do something. Right. No. I, and um, and and also you don't want to have to spend any more money on remodeling a project, you know, uh, I mean, or, or maybe you can give some feedback after somebody has built a home. What would you feel like would be the appropriate time um, to do a remodel, for example, like what, like as far as like investment in building a home with an architect, what kind of invest investment can they, can they see in return? Uh, for them not having to have to spend any additional money in a certain amount of time, like what time frame do you think uh, your homes are built for? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's a great question. I would say. And the reason why I ask is I've seen new homes that I can completely remodel and they're brand new and I can find a hundred different things that I can remodel or, or, or make better for. And I know that they haven't been, uh, they're, they're, they're track homes or, you know, that they're, 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 you know, just built, you know, in production and not right. really tailored to anybody in particular. So when you're buying a home that's two, three, four hundred thousand dollars and it's not catered to you, maybe within five years, you, you're looking to, you know, invest 50 or a hundred thousand dollars versus just, you know, paying that or half of that more by hiring somebody to, to, custom build a home for you. And then, you know, you'll not only be able to uh, absorb that money uh, in the future, but be able to enjoy a nicer home, you know, uh, Absolutely. From the I agree with that. I'm, so I'm a big proponent of what we, uh, it's called life cycle costing, which is exactly what that is, is looking on the investment on the front end, because mm-hmm. on the end, uh, a good example of that would be a roof. So you might put a shingle roof on a house and it costs you, let's just say $10,000. Uh, mm-hmm. and, 
So if you put a 30 year shingle roof, you're going to get 15 out of it. You're not going to get 30 because our climate is very hot and humid. So mm. in years, you're going to replace that roof again. And instead of it being 10,000 now, it might be $15,000. Oh, let's just say it's $16,000. So now you got $26,000 in a roof uh, after 15 years. Mm-hmm. The metal roof costs. Yeah. Might, instead of it being 10, it might, the metal roof might cost, you know, $35,000 on the front end. But you're almost at the cost of uh, not a break even point, but you're going to get maybe, you're going to get basically a lifetime warrant, a lifetime of that metal roof versus every 15 years on a shingle roof. Right. And so then you have to kind of, and that I know it's easy to talk numbers, right? Because it's, it's not really your, your cash, yeah. <laughs> but I try to tell my clients that on things that they do inside the home. So for example, one of the things that we do a lot is I tell my clients, you know what, let us focus on making the building envelope that what actually keeps the rain, the cold and the heat out of your house. Let us work on that, make it, is energy efficient and let us build that to the, I don't want to say the gold standard, but let's build it to the closest as we can, as the budget allows to build to the gold standard because I can't come back later and take siding off and take brick off to make it more energy efficient. But mm-hmm. I can come back and redo that kitchen countertop in 10 years because mm-hmm. maybe there's a different color that you, you know, you're know you going to like or we can do some tile later. So I look at anything that I consider mechanicals behind the wall Really kind of, I would say, focus your effort there and your money there. Uh, and then all the pretty stuff, unfortunately, I'm not saying don't spend money there, but you can right. really cool looking things that don't break the bank. Um, you know, and, and so my wife, it's a personal story. My wife and I just finished building our home, our brand new house. And I, I was a great case study for that. The whole time, uh, I think in the beginning, I was worried, obviously worried about budget and cost and where everything was going. And then in the end, uh, yeah, we spent more than we, we spent more than we anticipated, but I look around every day and I'm like, man, I'm glad I made that decision. Yeah. My, my, I think my electric bill in August was like 90 bucks. No, that's crazy. So I look at things like that. So, okay. So is there a way that people have to go that extreme? Maybe not. Maybe there's a middle of the road, but when you work with an architect, that's a lot of the questions that, that he or she will ask you is, you know, how, how energy efficient do you want to build this house? Uh, to what level do you really want to develop the envelope? Uh, your plumbing lines, do you want to do, it's okay to do PEX uh, plumbing lines are perfectly fine, but maybe the supply lines that actually come to your fixture, make those out of copper, you know, uh, those are a little bit higher in. So, and then the other thing is, yeah, when it comes to the plumbing fixtures, maybe go to uh, another brand, maybe not a lower end brand. Maybe you go to a higher end brand for the master bedroom, but if right. it's the kid's bedroom, it's okay to go with the, you know, less expensive plumbing fixture faucet there because the kid's bedroom and eventually they'll, they'll grow out of it. And frankly, I mean, how long is, how long do you put a faucet in? Is it, is it stay for 30 years in a house? I don't right. know. I, I think most people will probably replace them what every 15 years. Yeah. So if you have a kid who's two years old, uh, and let's just say, you know, 10 years, you know, maybe when he's 13 to 14, he's a little bit, he or she's a little bit better about, you know, caring for things. And yeah, okay, now we'll, well, now we'll spring for a nicer faucet that looks good and looks really nice and it functions well. But the other one that just is just as great is just was maybe, you know, third the cost. All right. Yeah, that, that that that's interesting you say that. Uh, going back to um, like like the envelope and and now that you've built your home, you know, you have that peace of mind. Most of the things that you're probably ex- extremely happy about um, 
splurging on is probably the things that you can't see. You know, right. Everything that's behind the wall, things that are not so glamorous, but you know that the house was built well and it's going to sustain, you know, the, the, uh, the, the extremes of especially living here in Houston where you're going to have freezing and you can have, you know, 110, you know, degree weather. Um, you know, that's probably, uh, when you're going to really be, um, the most elated about the way that you went about building your house. Yeah. You know, and, and so of all the houses that we worked on, my house, I would say is probably the most, uh, what we call a very tight home, very insulated house. It's the very first one that I've ever done. I've never built a house this, this tight, um, mainly because, you know, I wasn't very familiar, wasn't very sure. Um, and when it's someone else's project, there's always a little hesitation because there's a lot, of, a lot of liability going in and you pay more for some of these products. So right. What I want to do is experiment on a client and be like, Ooh, that was a bad idea. We should have done that. Um, yeah. so, um, on, on my house, I did a lot of research, uh, for those kinds of things. And I felt like it was, um, I guess I would say my house is what I hope to be the, being a, us being able to take our skills to the next level, uh, mm-hmm. the design point of view and definitely a construction point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You're learning, you're learning twofold, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, you're constantly learning. Yeah. From the architect side, um, how much of that, um, because you have to draw in a lot of these specs as well on the way that you build your envelope and everything. And then also when you're building it, so you get to, you get to take out of it, you know, twice as much as, you know, just an architect or just a builder. So that's, uh, right, and then I get to live in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're also the uh, guinea pig as well on, on that aspect. Yeah. I think, uh, I think my wife was a little nervous about that on the front end, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I was nervous, but, um, you know, after all doing all the research and looking in some, some building science and consulting with, uh, very smart people who do this for a living, I, you know, I figured, I realized that this is, this is the way to build. And quite honestly, some of this is going to, I'm not going to say to be mandated, but some of this is going to have to change for the new energy code. Mm-hmm. So the energy code actually was passed in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, but the city of Houston that I, I believe is going to adopt it this year or next year, I can't remember. And so my wife and I discussed it and we thought, what's the point in building a brand new home than it not really being built to the current energy code standards? Even we can, we can still build according to the old standard. Right. Uh, so we decided to go, go to the new standard. And on top of that, we went to the new standard and then we kind of added a little more built suspenders to our, our project. Um, and that whole point for us was to, I wanted to build something that was more um, that I can age into properly and not feel like, Oh, you know, 10 years, I gotta, I gotta move out or, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta add on a wing to the house. Now it's, there's plenty of room in the house. We designed for it. Um, and I think that's what we try to do for our clients is that, you know, uh, this is your current living standard situation, but Hey, you know, how old's your mom? Uh, oh, so your mom will probably be retiring the next uh, six, seven years. Uh, oh, a bad back. So a lot of the house we're designing now, there's probably what I would consider two master suites, mm-hmm. one upstairs and or and one downstairs. And the one downstairs is usually for like the like what they call like an in-law suite that has a full bathroom closet. They use it as a study, but they know that if one of their parents has to come live with them, they can. It's ready to go. Yeah. We have one, one uh, client, we designed her house and probably like a year after that happened, 
she was on a, on a skiing trip and unfortunately she injured herself. Um, and she, she basically had to live in the room downstairs because she says I couldn't open downstairs. She goes, yeah, downstairs. And it was, she said that one had a shower and it had, it was a bat, it was a bigger, bat, you know, it was designed to accommodate someone with, uh, not only say disabilities, but to be more accessible, friendly. Um, and so it was great that, you know, this individual had that and she goes, Oh my gosh, she's like, it got to the point. She was when I healed up and I was better. I didn't want to go back upstairs. I didn't want to climb the stairs every day. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. And, and with that, you know, um, so those are all, you know, uh, those are, those are wonderful stories and, and I'd love to hear, you know, success and, and, and projects, but another harsh reality is that, you know, not every client, um, and relationship ends up, you know, being as, as good as you would want it to become. So, you know, one thing that I I always want to get out of, out of our, our guests is that, you know, I want to discuss some of the things that, you know, maybe you or, or clients can do and maybe, you know, uh, have an example of, you know, when things go wrong, because, <laughs> you know, when things, when things go right, you know, we, we probably wouldn't have too much to talk about because everything would just, you know, every, every, every hire, every decision would just go smoothly. Um, but I think people want to hear, you know, um, not horror stories, but, you know, just examples of what go, what can go wrong with, you know, maybe hiring an architect or what can go wrong with, you know, uh, a client, you know, where, you know, maybe they're, they're making decisions that they shouldn't be making. Um, is there something that, you know, that you can discuss, um, that's not so glamorous about, you know, your position, uh, not only as being an architect, but also architect builder, and maybe some advice that you can give to clients um, that can help the process. And, you know, don't want to put you on the spot, but that's, you know, kind of something that I think it's important. You know, I know I have a lot to learn. I think I, I try to educate, you know, my, uh, my my clients, you know, on the front end and try to make, try to smoothen out the process as much as possible. And I think with architects, um, and I've told you this before, I feel like, Architects are, are are kind of like the the unicorns of of the construction industry. Not everybody has the luxury, or even um, I don't know, maybe the the um, what's the word the um, um, it, it's it's intimidating. I, that, that's the word. It, it it's a little intimidating, at least for a regular homeowner to reach out to an architect. Uh, much like it is like a lawyer or a family doctor, you know, and it would be interesting to know, you know, some of your, some of your feedback on, you know, some, some, not only pros, but cons also. So I'll start off with, uh, you know, I like that one of the very first things that you had mentioned when you asked me to be part of this podcast was that you said you felt intimidated with working with an architect. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting because, um, so I think in the past, and I don't know how much you or other potential homeowners or other other individuals know, but I know historically architects have, uh, have can uh, have been given a bad rap on, on certain levels. You know, contractors complains like, "Oh, these guys design all this stuff, don't know how to build it, and, and drawings look beautiful, but you know, don't give me what I need." And you know, there's a lot of I know we get a bad rap for that. Um, and also, I think. I think it's for the average homeowner, it can be a little intimidating working with an architect because I think on a certain level, uh, 
there's like this mystique that architects are, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's just a professional thing that, that we put it out there that somehow you're, you're better than, uh, but it's not true. You know, at least not for me. Well, what I, what I will say is one of the reasons I quit practicing architecture at that commercial firm was because there was a lot of what I consider architects with a capital A that were very proud of themselves. Uh, almost, I want to say, I don't want to say elitist, but they felt like, you know, I'm, I'm an architect and I'm, uh, I'm God's gift to design. <laughs> and I think some of that is translated and permeated through our society. And people think that of architects. The other thing is that people think architects always have private jets and cruise around on yachts and all this stuff. And I'm like, show me that guy. Cause I got <laughs> where I went wrong, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's just, um, so that, that's one, I, I think, you know, we, we, we have had that, that, uh, that stigma in the past. And I know with architecturally, we, as a, as a practice, we haven't done a lot to engage the community and, and, and people, uh, and to kind of break people that stigma. Um, the reason I worked on my ex boss, John was because he was the complete opposite of all that. I remember the very first day I worked for him, he told me, he said, Hey, he's like, uh, by the way, he's like, I'm not an architect with a capital A. He's like, I'm laid back. I'm easy going. He's like, I'm intense. He's like, I want to get a job done. I'm going to do it right. Right. The first time he goes, but I'm not that, that ego maniac that, uh, that, that you see. As a matter of fact, in the coffee bar, he had a cartoon and it was an architect who's maybe like four feet tall, four and a half feet tall. And he was wearing this big fur coat and to the left and right of him were these, uh, very beautiful, uh, voluptuous women. Uh, and there's a guy that, uh, Kind of, he's go, they're going into like a, a hotel or something or a restaurant, and the guy's opening the door, the bellhop, and he's slamming the 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 other guy away, like some guy in the street, and it says, "Get out the way!" There's an architect coming through, <laughs> uh, and so I I remember that. So I remember going like, "Man, I was like, I swear I worked with like thirty of those guys at that other place." Yeah, uh, and I just didn't like that. That's not me, you know. I'm I'm not a. Uh, I'm a formal guy, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm, I'm very casual and very laid back. Uh, you know, if you, you probably, if you probably see me on the street, you wouldn't think I'm, I'm an architect or a design professional or a professional, I guess. <laughs> um, I dress very much as, you know, I'm, I'm very laid back. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be part, you know, early when you asked about why architects are in construction, mm-hmm. a few of us that do it, the ones that do do it, uh, you know, they're, I would consider we're, we're a different breed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're definitely a breed, at least I feel, uh, when you said unicorn, I definitely feel like a unicorn, uh, yeah. not in a good way. Um, so the architects don't see me as an architect cause now I'm the evil, bad contractor, uh, building these projects. And then the contractors don't see me as a contractor because, um, at the end of the day, I'm still an architect. So they, right. they, they so on the, in the end, so you don't fit on either. Yeah. You say so you're not, you don't fit on in either. <laughs> Either your own little island hanging out, and then uh, over the years, I've met our other, other architects that build and do the exact same thing I do, and it's like, man, it's like therapy. You know, we all get to you know exchange stories and talk about um, our profession and whatnot. And you know, so I, I don't think we've done a good job as a profession to engage the, the general public and society and say, hey, you know what, we're 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 architects, we're we're good designers, and I don't mm. mean that in a way of saying like we're bragging, but what an arch- what a really good architect can do is problem solve. That's really our skill is problem yeah. solving. That's what we do best, I think. At least that's feel, that's what I feel that I do best. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and anything I do, and that problem solving skill applies to architecture, 
construction yeah. to anything that I've got, I mean, anything personal that I might get, you know, we're very analytical in, in, in our information and the data that we get. We look at the information, we make a decision based on that. Um, and I think that's one of the things that, that at least my education taught me because architecture school, everybody thinks you go in there and you start designing, you start doing all these things. That's, that's not at all what you're doing. Like the mm-hmm. of architecture school, I was looking around going like, well, oh my God, we're working on these really, I'm working with construction paper, you know, it's yeah. like in kindergarten, but what they're trying to get you to do is to think beyond anything and kind of really open your mind. I remember one professor once told me, he's like, the whole point of architecture school is to get your mind to, it's like, it's like a rubber band. He's like, I want to expand that mind as much as I can, just open it all the way. He's like, because once you graduate and you start practicing, it's going to contract, contract back to its original size, meaning you're going to have to limit uh, some of that uh, thinking kind of out there. You're going to have to be a little more pragmatic and realistic. Uh, so I would say for the homeowner to, to get the most benefit working with their architect is to, and for that matter, not just an architect or a contractor, is be truthful about what you want design-wise, be truthful about your, your budget. And then the other thing is uh, how you interact with those individuals once you actually start working with them. And by that, I mean, you know, uh, I know a lot of people feel very comfortable or can get very comfortable in the beginning and whatnot and kind of want to be kind of lax and casual about things. Um, but I, sometimes I feel the, the projects I struggled on the most, I, I'll tell you right now, I mean, I had one project where we weren't, I initially did the design work. I was just going to be the architect there. Uh, they had another contractor in mind. Um, they didn't end up working with him in the end. They came back to me and said, Hey, w- would you do the work? I said, sure, I'll do the work. And uh, I called the other contractor and said, Hey, uh, they want me to, to build their project. And he goes, have at it. It's like, I want nothing with those individuals. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. And so, you know, they seem kind of nice to me. Uh, and as the project unfolded, I realized like, oh my God, it was just, it wasn't an, it, I, well, yeah, it was a nightmare. It became a project that was very challenging. It was a very challenging project from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Design-wise? Design, design was easy. Uh, design wasn't hard at all. The challenging part was it was, uh, it was an existing home. We were doing a, a two-story addition to it and doing a lot of work to it. Um, and the homeowner just kept changing things during construction. I mean, I, I kid you not, uh, we must have put up one wall like four or five times. Put it up, take it down, put it up, take it down. And then, and, and then you, you send them at the end of the month, you send them a, a, a statement of a bill that's due. And they're like, well, hey, why is that so expensive? And well, we took that wall down four times. Right. And then they're like, oh, but yeah, you couldn't have saved the lumber? Well, no, I mean, it's got nails, it's got everything. It's not how it works, you know? Um, do the best we can. But I would say for any homeowner, not just working with an architect, even a contractor or a modeler, is yeah. be organized, be know definitely what you want, and then really um, try to leave some of the personal stuff at home. You know, this business is very hard as it is. It's very challenging, especially if you're doing a remodel. And if, if – if the homeowners are upset at one another and it starts coming through in the meetings, it makes for a very uncomfortable experience for me as a, as your architect and as your builder, I don't want to be there. I don't want to hear the, the, the bickering back and forth or the little comments. And then the, the, the kind of evil eye that comes out on the side. And the next thing you know, I'm the one getting not yelled at, but we're the ones that are kind of getting made to be the bad guy. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say that, you know, for a homeowner is, look, we all have our days, good days, bad days, but definitely leave some of that stuff at home because it's not, it does not make for a very productive meeting. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it puts us in a very uncomfortable situation. I think I even told you the story where I went and met with a homeowner on the design phase and they started arguing mm-hmm. in front of me. And so I let it, I kind of, at first it was just kind of just a little bigger back and forth. And so like, like a minute went by, I said, okay, it'll, it'll blow over. And then it got a little more, it got a little more heated. I was like, okay, hopefully it blows over soon. And it wouldn't, right. I don't know it. They're like full on yelling at each other, going at it in the kitchen. And they're like fingers at one another. And I'm going, Hey, uh, <laughs> you know, about the meeting. Blah, blah, blah. And then, Nothing. That's like, it didn't even exist. I rolled up my plans. I let myself out the house. I drove home. Two hours after I got home, they, she calls me, the wife, and says, hey, Franco, we're so sorry. We just realized you left. We just finished arguing. Oh, gosh. And I told her, I told them, I said, I said, okay. And then uh, she's like, can we meet again? I was like, sure. So we, I went back, met with them. And the minute, minute I got there, a husband asked me, hey, do you want a glass of wine? I said, I don't. I said, I'm on the clock. I go, but I don't think either one of you should have one. That's how we got sidetracked last time. Yeah. No, I know. For a very uncomfortable experience. And I would say to, to homeowners is be, you know, be organized when, when you're going to meet with an architect, not only just an architect, even just for your model or a contractor, ha- have a list of, of, of questions you have of what you want to accomplish in that meeting. Because trust me, uh, a lot of times we're meeting you after hours too. I mean, I know yeah. coming home from work. But we're also sacrificing family time and, and whatnot. And it's what we do. It's part of our job. I understand that a lot of times I'll meet with people on a Sunday, like at three, mm-hmm. or middle of the day, and then only to show up. And then they haven't looked over the selections or they haven't looked over the design. They didn't do what the, they didn't do their homework and they show up to the meeting. It's cold. And now I'm having to basically go through everything that, that I had emailed. And I spent maybe 45 minutes on an email outlining all the things, you know, all the little things. And then you get there and you realize, I didn't even read the email, didn't even print the drawings out. Thank God I brought an extra set. And you're sitting there having this meeting. And really, I look at that and I say, I find that kind of disrespectful of of my time. But also, it's kind of a waste of their money because in some of these cases, you're paying us by the hour to sit. So, you know, you're paying me by the hour to sit there and, and go through this and I feel like I'm going through it twice when in reality I can save you money. If we just, if you guys would spend 15, 20 minutes reading that email and then maybe another hour on your own discussing it, going through it, filtering down some of the ideas that we want to show up and we all meet, it's a very productive meeting. Yeah. Um, and then only to have at the end of the, at the end of the, or the surprise, the invoices go out, have somebody call and say, Hey, yeah, well, we, th- we think your hours were excessive this month. Uh, can you, can you give us a breakdown on how you spent your time and, you know, you're sitting there going, man, um, you know, you, you, you try to be reasonable with your clients and you, you want to do the right thing. But also I look at that and I say, all I have to, all I have is my time. I don't have anything else. I don't sell um, shoes. You know, I can't go sell 10 more pair, pair of shoes tomorrow and make up a, a lost time. Yeah. And so I, I'd say for any, any client, definitely be organized when you meet with, uh, just be organized in general throughout your project. Know what you when you make a selection, I'm not saying stick to it 100%, but definitely before a tile shows up, know that that's the tile you want, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Things like that. No, yeah, and, and, and to add to that, you know, I, I don't think that you're you're saying that 
Well, I, not not I don't think I know for a fact you're not saying that to to be petty or to you know to to not necessarily waste your time. It, it's really you know you're you're out there to do a job. You want to do your job well, and you know like with the bickering and the not being organized, you know you want to provide as much value as you want to your clients, sure. and and you want to do the best job that you can. It's not that you want them to make your job easier. You just want to do the best that you can because we we go through you know the same issues. You know not you know, lack of organization or, you know, lack of, of committing to something. And at the end of the day, yeah, they, they do pay for it. You don't want them. You want them to be under budget. You want to, you know, exceed the expectation. And more often than not, it's, you know, the, the client's own, you know, uh, wrongdoing that causes a lot of these issues. You know? Absolutely. I agree with that. I mean, I want to provide the best value. And, you know, at the same time, I do want to make it easier for me to build, if all I need it, if all, if, if we're going to be the architect and then we're going to be the builder and all we have to show up is, is to show up and build. Yeah. That is phenomenal because I mean, if, if I know, cause like that one project I was telling you about, I knew every day when we were, when we were installing things or building things in the back of my mind, I knew that there was going to be changes and I just didn't know where those changes were coming from. Mm-hmm. That That's a very, that's a very uh, bad way to, to, to do a project. I want to, and the guys, you know, get a little frustrated too. Like, yeah. hey, I've already done this and I got to go do it again. And say, like, yeah, I know we're getting paid to redo it and take it down, but you know, everybody likes to see progress. Nobody wants to keep working on the same thing over and over and then just only to show up. And, you know, I had one, one homeowner, uh, you know, they, they just, he, he just drove, he would just drive by in his car and just, honk and say he didn't like something and, and tear it down and drive off. And you're going like, well, what don't you like? You know I mean? Right. At least get out and tell me something. Oh, uh, and so it was, it's just one of those things I'd say is, uh, you know, we want to do the best job we can and, and we can't do a good job if we don't feel that, uh, that you, that there's enough, uh, that, the, the, that, that you guys actually did the homeowner did their homework. Cause at the end of the day, everything we do is custom. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to put something in your house that you're not going to be happy with. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure you're happy, but at the same time, that means that I think the, as a homeowner needs to do their homework on the front end and pick out the products and the things that they want. Now, there's going to be some details that we need to that you maybe didn't think through. That's my job is to work through those details and figure them out. But I don't feel that our job is to go out and to make all your selections. Or basically, I had one one homeowner say, uh, you know, I feel like you uh, you guys. Uh, you know, uh, we feel like there's a lot of selections to be made and we feel like, you know, um, sometimes we're made to make them not hurt. And she didn't feel pressured or hurry. She just kind of felt like we wanted them sooner. And I told and I told him, I said, look, at the beginning of a job, I give you a, an, an entire list of what selections are made to be made. They didn't go, they didn't even look at it. So mm-hmm. I would say, hey, uh, do you guys have paint colors? Oh, no, no. We, we haven't thought about that. And then she's like, well, when do you guys want to put up samples? Like, well, get us some colors. We'll start, you know. Point is, if the, the sooner I have a selection from the homeowner, then the quicker I can put it up or mock it up or do something, then that way they can look at it and say yes or no before they really are committed to it. Because uh, I don't want you to feel like when you come work, with, that when you work with us, that we're making you put something in your house that you don't want. That's not the feeling, though. I want you to be happy and I want you to make sure you get everything you want in your home. Uh, but at the same time, 
I also don't want the project to drag on because a lot of, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a time like, Hey, my, my lease is up at whatever house or apartment I'm leasing and I got to get back in two months. Right. Okay. If that's the case. And man, you need to, you know, yeah, you yeah. So that's interesting. You, you mentioned that where, where does your um, responsibilities lie when it comes to, to design or is there ever a need for a designer? Can you elaborate a little bit on that? If, if a homeowner um, just needs help and just absolutely does not have an eye for design, where, where do those lines, you know, get mixed up uh, between architect, designer, homeowner? I would or- Probably. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Or, or am I, or, or am I misinformed as far as the need for a designer when you're working with an architect? No, I mean, I, I mean, architects, I mean, we're, we're pretty good at, at being able to do certain things. Uh, those ask, some are better than others. I, I tell you myself personally, um, I, the, I prefer to have an interior designer on the job uh, if we can only mm-hmm. because uh, there's a lot of decisions to be made, but more importantly, um, I feel my job as an architect, I can design your home. I can design the plan. I can design your kitchen. We do this, that, the other, we can build it. We know what we're doing there, but I feel that there's better suited design professionals when it comes to the tile and the patterns and all the different, you know, colors and all that. I feel there's someone much well suited for that than what I do. For example, an interior designer would, wouldn't try to build your home because that's not what they do. But you know, so I kind of feel if you really want that that look, uh, and I would say on our house we use an interior designer, and it was the best money we spent because it really working with someone who gets to it's like us. We get to know you from an architectural side, they get to know you from an interior design side, and then they're able to kind of pick out finishes that maybe you didn't even think about. And if you're asking me, uh, you know, I'm not saying that that we're just going to pick out a color, but you know, we're we'll probably. Uh, you know, architects sometimes do a lot of things in grayscale. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so you'll 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 do location, size, um, you know, direction, things of that nature, and a designer might do the color, the finish, you know, yeah. um, things like that. Okay. Yeah, we work out details with them, and I know you guys. I know you guys do a lot of your interior design, and, and it really comes down to if, if you're comfortable and you feel like you're well suited for that. Uh, I think. Than I am, uh, but when it comes to all the different looks of, of tile, definitely like natural stone, like fabricine or marbles and all that, I don't mm-hmm. feel comfortable being able to pick that out. And I can tell you from an installation point of view or an upkeep point of view how it's going to react. Right. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if you if if an interior designer is within the budget and it's something that that then I, I would I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's a lot of great information. And I know I, I, um, I personally, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to working with you. I know we have, uh, you know, your, your project coming up and I'm looking forward to, to implementing some of these things and, and making your job as easy as possible. Is there anything else that you'd want to add? Yeah. Um, that you feel like you can, you know, help, uh, just, you know, your average person that, you know, may be interested in, you know, again, buying a home that's already built or versus going with you, how they can make that, you know, process easier or challenges, anything whatsoever. I mean, sure. I would say, you know, one of the things I wanted to uh, touch on, and we kind of talked about earlier was, uh, you know, the, the, and I think you talked about also with, with, with the other guest, uh, John, is that, you know, the, the quality and I think people get caught up on a number and a cost per square foot. 
Mm-hmm. I, I get a lot of clients that ask me, say, hey, so I want a house, but I want to spend this much per square foot, you know, whatever it is. And I always tell them, you know, to me, that cost per square foot is uh, it's like buying a car, right? You don't buy a car per, per axle. Mm-hmm. I want to spend so much per wheel on the car. I mean, dealerships can look at you like, what? How do you, you know, how do you factor that in? Yeah. Yeah, $10,000 per tire. I mean, I don't know, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know how you, how, how that, how that works, but yeah. I, and what we do, unfortunately, that's kind of the metric that's used that everybody likes to use. Yeah. Um, I always tell my homeowners that, you know, for the, that the, I feel that when it comes to the budget, the truth is going to come out at some point. So let's get that out of the way. Let's discuss it on the front end. Cause I don't want to find out on the back end that, you know, we went through all these plans, all these drawings. You spent a lot of money paying us, the structural engineer, and interior designers, and also say, "Hey, I'm over budget." I'm like, well, okay, now we have to take money out of the, of the project somehow. Um, the other thing is that I think for cost per square cost per square foot does not necessarily translate into quality. I think mm-hmm. we'll get caught up in this figure, and then uh, it's like if you tell a go a, a, I. I you'll use the example of the car dealership again. You go to the guy and you tell him, hey, I've got $30,000 to buy a car. Well, he's either going to do one of two things. He's either going to go out and find a car that, you know, that's within the, you know, within that budget, uh, that's quality, he's got everything you want, and then he's going to put you into that car, sell you that car. Or if you wanted to be a little deceptive, he'd be like, you know what, I've got this car over here. It's maybe like 22, but I'm going to put him in a third. I'm going to tell him it's 30,000. Right. Put them in that car and they're not going to ask a lot of questions about that car. But I know that was 22, but I'll sell it for, you know, make another eight or the same. The same thing happens when you go into a car dealership, buy a car and say, hey, my monthly payment is I can afford four hundred dollars a month, three hundred dollars a month. Uh, and then they back you into it on financing and interest. And they, there's a lot. Of, it's a numbers game. What mm-hmm. I get at is when it comes per square foot can be the exact same game is that you can interview a builder and he can tell you a cost per square foot. But at the end of the day, it's like, where is that money going? Uh, you know, this this particular client I met with today on the doors and windows, we talked about some other items. So they save some money in some areas and the money they save there, they're going to apply it somewhere else. And so for the same cost per square foot, you get to decide where your money goes. You don't let someone else decide for you. And I think the value in working, A, with an architect, but B, definitely working with us is that, we have those conversations up front because I don't want you to feel that I'm trying to take your money or that I'm trying to stretch your budget to the last dollar so I can make more money. That's not my end goal. My end goal is to uh, pr- provide a quality design, a quality built product. And yes, I mean, it is, you know, we are, it is financial. We are going to be paid for our time, but that's also why our profit is up front. You see what, what we're going to make on the job. And mm-hmm. If you have our project management fee, we break it out. You know, how much of it goes to project management, how much of it goes to overhead, and how much of it is profit. Mm-hmm. And our clients, they like that because they see where every dollar where they're paying us, where it goes. Um, and like two-thirds of our fee is just managing the job. Half of our fee is spent doing that. Um, right. I think what, what ends up happening in, in that regard is that as a homeowner, you see the numbers, you decide where you want to, it's like, you might say, Hey, you know what? I really like that, that really multi-slide door that costs, I don't know, $15,000. You know what? Save some money and not, I'm going to take some money around the house and that go all out there, maybe save some money here. And I'm going to spend that money on that. Now mm-hmm. you're appropriate where those funds go. And that to me is, is the fun part of what we do, what I do 
is that is being able to make those decisions and help them make very good informed decisions. Um, and so if there's anything that a homeowner gets out of this podcast is definitely that do not ask for a home on a cost per square foot. I think what you do is that you have a budget in mind, discuss your budget and then a home building a home is just, it, uh, is developed this, you de- develop your budget the same way you build a house, which is you build the budget. And it's through line items and it's through pieces and say, okay, that's a foundation. Here's how much money it is. Hey, what's it so expensive? Well, we had a good, we went with this one. Is there mm-hmm. an expensive alternative? Absolutely. What are the pros and cons to it? Here they are. And that's what we do. We discuss all that through and then you see where your money's going. It's not that people, and I think you guys even had this on your previous podcast. You can tell this entire podcast, by the way. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, pe- people ask, hey, um, you know, why does that cost so much? And you're like, well, here it is. And once people see where the money is going, then they feel comfortable paying for it. They're like, oh, okay, well, that was, you know, 20% more. But, hey, you know, we get a really cool front door or really cool windows or whatever. Um, and then they really kind of come to understand their budget more and think that they're part of the process and they feel like, hey, we, we not only did we build this house, but we're also building this budget together. And that's what I want to feel, that it's a collaborative effort. So how do you how do you overcome the objection? Because we get that all the time when we, you know, it's almost become a requirement now to ask for a budget or a range. Um, And our objection to that question is typically, well, I don't want to provide a budget because, you know, you're going to take advantage of it or you're going to, you know, uh, spend as much money as you can. What what is your objection to what, what is your response to that objection? Uh, my response is that I can't design something for you unless I know your budget. And I definitely can't build anything for you unless I know the budget. And I'll tell them that the truth of your budget will, at some point, it's the numbers, uh, I don't want to, um, I don't know how else to put it, but it's going to rear its ugly head, so to speak. At some point, the budget is going to come up and you need to have, so what better time to discuss it than on the front end, especially if you're going to engage an architect because you're, pay an architect, you know, a lot, a lot of money to design this house for you. So if you're telling him, Hey, I have a million dollars to spend on a house. When in reality, you have half a million dollars spent on a home. He just, he just spent, you know, he just designed a, a million dollar home. And then, then you tell him, Oh, by the way, I only got a million bucks to spend. Then, you know, you really just took money and kind of lit it on fire and, and let you burn your cash because that's not the best way to. So that's why I think you need to have those discussions because I think that's how architects, unfortunately, sometimes get put into have this negative stigma that we over design is, mm-hmm. is that the homeowner doesn't want to be forthright with the budget. So then the architect goes, hey, well, you got let's design this really cool detail and then can't afford to build it or it's not done that way. Um, anyways, and so those are the things that you need to I just tell the homeowners, we can't do anything for you without that information. Same thing like tile. Would you. Um, you know, you can't install top. If it's a different tile you never worked with before, you're not going to, you're going to have questions to your install. I mean, to your supplier, right? Hey, how does this work? What kind of grout do you use? What kind of can I use? Can I do this? Can I do that? And what are the edges? When can I, you know, we wouldn't install a product like that without knowing all the ins and outs, outs of it. It's the same yeah. way it comes to your budget. Um, and some people, they take an objection to that. They, like you said, they, they think that we're just, trying to maximize their budget, which I'm not, what I'm trying to do is gauge a sense of where they want to be overall and then back into it and say, okay, for based on that budget, 
historically based on projects we've done, this is roughly the size of the home you can build. Mm-hmm. This is that. And then they say, well, okay, well, what if we want to build a smaller home? Okay, well, then a smaller house, we can increase the quality. Where do you want to increase the quality? Is it the doors? Is it the window? You know, a good example is windows can, for a house can be at least uh, as cheap as $5,000. Or you can spend as much as $50,000 on windows. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to rename the podcast uh, must disclose your budget for <laughs> remodeling. Cause it, 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 you know, it keeps going back to, to that, you know, there's, there's this, uh, there's this unwritten rule that, you know, you have to you know seek out, you know, three contractors or three different trades first and compare prices. And, you know, there's just so many variables that, you know, prices is, is just one of those things. But if you take control as a homeowner, if you take control of that and just disclose budget, I I feel like a homeowner would get a lot more value, a lot more information. They'll truly compare apples to apples versus hiding that and then leaving it up to whoever they're looking to hire uh, to kind of guess it, what it is that they want. Yeah, in the end, it's, it's, it's only in your favor. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, my our standard process is we design it, we document it. And then if you want us to provide a detailed cost analysis, a, a thorough breakdown of your project, I mean, we go down to every every aspect of it, then we our fee is 1% of construction costs. Is mm-hmm. what we charge the homeowners is our fee to provide that service. Now, some people say that, hey, hey that's a lot of money. It's like, well, it is a lot of money, but I'm going to probably spend close to like 60 hours putting together your, your budget. Now, that, that if I factor it on my hourly rate, what we normally bill by the hour, then we're not even, I mean, it, 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 we would have to bill double for that. Um, mm-hmm. The way I look at it is it's a cost estimate. It's a way to really start the conversation about your budget. And it's what we call a professional services agreement. The homeowner can engage us in that regard. We develop their budget, do everything. And then at the end of the day, I think we spoke about earlier, if they feel like, okay, that's just not what I want, then they at least have a very good budget in every single line item. And I thought through, I build the budget like I build a project. I think about, I got the foundation, I got this, I got demolition. We got all these things. We, we line item them all out. We give our fee at the end. They see where everything is going. Um, and then if they decide that, they, hey, okay, we want to engage you to build it, then we credit that towards the first uh, draw statement. In mm-hmm. voice. Uh, and I find that most of our clients, when we do that, they're more educated about their 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 project, what's being put in their product. It's like food, right? Mm-hmm. The big thing right now is uh, know where your food comes from. Right. How is it organic versus processed? That's the exact same thing when, when it comes to looking at building a home or remodeling the project. Know where know where the where your money is going into these products. Because if you if a guy just shows up and says, "Hey, it's a hundred thousand dollars," but he doesn't tell you where he's spending the hundred thousand dollars, I would yeah. say. You need to maybe you know scratch the surface a little bit more, or you know probe a little more as to where that money's going. But for us, uh, I'd say when we do the professional services agreement, about eighty percent of the time, maybe ninety percent of the time, we actually it goes to a full construction contract because the homeowner sees the value, and all of our jobs are cost plus. So it's the cost of the job plus our fee. Mm-hmm. That's open book. It's open book. Yeah. The homeowner called me and they say, Hey, I want you to give me those invoices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's a cloud base. And I always tell them, well, uh, the invoices are always live on the cloud. You have access to it. Just log in with your secure password. You, you can view all the invoices and download whatever you'd like. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we have our own copies 
But, you know, uh, but the point is they see everything and that's the whole point of cost plus. But, you know, the risk of doing that is, you know, something comes up, uh, not all, you know, home, it, it cuts both ways, right? If the homeowner, um, let's just say they, they delay the project two or three months. Uh, we have a clause in, in our contract that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing a cost plus contract, but I still like certain things are kind of fixed for me. And so mm-hmm. if I'm having, if I were having to spend two, three months on your project, then we have a monthly fee that we with basic operational costs mm-hmm. and operational cost just goes to really cover the over. Cause I, I might only budget 12 months to build your house. Right. And you can't take on additional projects to cover that overhead when you have an outstanding project. Yeah. And- I have my guy on another job, but he can't because he's over here. Uh, you know, the other thing is one thing it's, it's funny. So it comes down to like dumpsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I only budgeted for 10 dumpsters and they're 500 bucks a dumpster roughly. So, mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you know, we're dragging this out two or three months, and then that dumpster fee might go up to seventy five hundred, eight thousand dollars because now we got to keep dumpsters there longer, right? Cash, and so then that's a three thousand dollar delta. That I'm like, well, you know, I didn't budget for that, and we right. got to here three months ago, but we're not, and so that's what the homeowner gets. So I, what I like about the cost plus is that people see that and they tend to make decisions pretty quick because they meters running to a certain extent. Um, and that's good because we can get in and do our work. Trust me, I don't want to be there any longer than, than I need to be. And if I can right. get there early, that's great. Uh, I'm not out of there like three months early. I mean, we might be out like a month, three yeah. months. But we're not, you know, it, we're not, getting, not rushing through it. You're just uh, not spending that extra two months waiting. Yeah. In, in the of the year. That's what I feel. And I think that's a, I think that's a great way to, uh, for the homeowners, like you said, the budget is discussed. Uh, be upfront about it because you can't do it. Unfortunately, you wouldn't go buy a car without knowing what you're going to spend on the car. Mm-hmm. Then it feels the same way with a house. Be upfront because you only it's only going to lead to. And I think that's where contractors get the bad bad stigma. You know, mm-hmm. is that well, I gave him my budget and he he charged me exactly what my budget was. Yeah, yeah, it, it's um, yeah. Unfortunately, again, with uh, on on the build side. You know, there, there are many ways to, to approach a, a project as far as quality and time and, and that relationship. So, you know, not often, um, you know, I always recommend homeowners to vet out, you know, the contractor and be comfortable with the contractor, their, their process, the way that they do business. And then, you know, ultimately just, uh, there has to be some kind of trust set up from the front end so you can start discussing budget and what you're going to do with that money. Um, but, uh, I was just curious to hear, to hear your side, uh, of, of that, uh, objection because it comes in a different form. It's more of a, of, at least for the architect side, it comes in the form of, of, of services. And, you know, sometimes, uh, a homeowner who's never gone through that process may, you know, just be curious as far as wanting to discuss that, that budget, um, right. when they're building a home. So, well, and you said, Mm-hmm. Good. I was just going to say, and so your process, uh, is there an average time frame from design to finish uh, the build if they were to, to work with you uh, on, on an average home? I'd say 18 months, a year and a half from the time we design it to the time we're actually done building it. Uh, okay. Our jobs, we, we, we budget about a year to build. I know it sounds like a lot of time, mm-hmm. uh, but one of the things that I think that, that distinguishes us from other builders and contractors is that uh, we let every trade work independently inside the house. We try not to, I hate going to, I mean, I, I, I got friends that are builders, so I'm not going to call them out on the show. They'll probably get mad at me, but you know, 
other job sites and you got like an HVAC guy over here, you got a plumber over there and an electrician over there, and you got maybe eight or ten guys in this area and everybody's working and there's noise and there's stuff going on everywhere. And that's I don't think that's a very productive way to build a home because you know that's how things that's how one accidents can happen. Uh everybody mm-hmm. getting hurt on your job. But mm-hmm. two, I find that that slows the trade down and mm-hmm. that's that's one of the complaints I get from, you know, or one of the things that, for example, my plumber and my HVAC guy, they're like, man, we love working with you. Why? Man, because, uh, well, one, you know, you, you know, you, you're fair to us. You pay us on time. But more importantly, we go in there. We, we know we're the only ones there working. We don't have to worry about, you know, uh, locking up the truck because somebody might take something or, uh, you yeah. know, our material out or, you know, kind of move things around. And then if we need to move from here to there, we're not in the way and we're not having to jump over a bunch of wires and cables. And, and that's the thing. So when we budget and we, and we build our projects and our timelines, we really work on letting every trade basically have the house to themselves. If it's a two week job or four week job. Now we will talk to them and say, okay, if you're going to be here three weeks in that last week that you're here, what do you anticipate working on? And can I schedule somebody else when they get in your way? Mm-hmm. Most of the time they're like, no. So then that last week we might schedule another another trade to come in. Usually what they're doing is dropping off material, prepping, getting ready to get started. Um, Definitely one thing that absolutely the individual who has a house all to himself and he's a, he's, he's special. I always tell him that is the painter. Uh, The Mm -hmm. painter is the only one that no one is allowed inside the house. Uh, Once he's there, I always tell the homeowners, you know, one, it's going to smell. So don't go. Uh, But two, they're painting. That's like painting is the most, it's one of the hardest things we'll do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that individual absolutely cannot have an electrician working in another room. Cause you know, he's in there doing his thing and the guy, you know, unfortunately might trip a breaker or something. Now his spray gun goes out and he's in the middle of spraying cabinets or, or spraying trim, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so that's why, you know, we, we really, uh, that's why our timeline's a little more extended, but I think we're able to, uh, that allows us to deliver a better product from the homeowner. Um, and I think when not, you know, I've had homeowners say, Hey, you know, we, we bid it out to another builder. He says he can build my house in nine months. You're mm-hmm. saying, oh. and I'm like, well, you want to get done in nine months? Go ahead. I'm not, I'm not telling you you can't. Right. So I always tell them just, I just know our process. I know how we work and, mm-hmm. and I, I know what it's going to, I know how we're, we're going to do things. And that's, and I always tell them I can build it faster. I just don't like doing that because I feel like that's when uh, I did do that one time. And I felt like things got overlooked, uh, not only on my end, but the homeowner and, you know, you're hurrying up the trades and, you know, little details that you don't really figure out. They come back and again, like the budget, they're going to come back and like rear their ugly head and make, now you're going to, and most of the time it's when the homeowners are living there mm-hmm. you know, and I got to go, you know, do a punch list right. on the house and they got all the furniture and they don't want you in there, and, but they want you to finish. And it's just, it's right. <laughs> Hey, Mary, you know how that goes. No, yeah. Well, another another good, you know, the 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 more I I, I listen to you and, and other guests, <clears throat> uh, there, even though we all kind of do the same thing to some extent, there are so many different process. Every company is just different, you know. Because I agree with the way that you that the the way that you build, we build the same way, and we we do tell our clients the same thing. We're not going to have plumbers and electricians and VAC guys, you know, even on a small project, you know, uh, on top of each other. It, yeah. The ladders get in the way, things get scratched, things get broken, um, and 
I'm not I'm not going to babysit my guys. You know, they're professionals. That's why we pay them well. And, you know, we're not going to you know sit there and watch them hover over them while they work. Um, because I have other things that are more important for that project that I can be doing as well versus just sitting there. So yeah. when you have more than one trade, um, unfortunately things happen. And, it, you know, a lot of times, um, nobody knows who it was or, you know, it's just uncomfortable to work. It doesn't really speed up the process, but one thing's for sure, uh, the quality does go down and the efficiency goes down. Um, and I don't think trades taking into consideration that they're going to be working with three or four other trades. It's always in their mind. Well, this is what I need to, this is how long I need to take uh, to finish this job. And that's what they price it out for. And then when you throw in uh, a variable of, okay, well, not only are you going to do it at the time frame that you thought it was, but now you have to share the space with three other trades, you know, might be if each trade has two people, you know, with six other people, seven other people, there's just no way you can get the same kind of quality out of it. No, um, so, absolutely. It's, it's I, almost impossible to do that. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with that. And, you know, like, and well, we get the same objection. Well, this guy said he can do it in half the time. Well, I mean, uh, that's just not how we do it. And if you want to do it in that time, this is why I think it works for us. And if it works for somebody else, uh, they can do it with the same kind of quality for the same price, then, you know, more power to you, but you know, we just can't. So yeah, probably I, in. Mm-hmm. no, I, I, I've seen it. I mean, I, I still see it every day. There was a house being built here in my neighborhood and uh, I saw the stuff going on with it. And, uh, you know, I saw, <laughs> I was, so as, as I saw the process of it getting built in my head, I started just making mental notes of all the problems that I thought could be coming up in that house. And sure enough, uh, I didn't, they had an open house. I didn't go look at it. And one of the neighbors came by and actually neighbor crossed the street from me. He's like, man, I went over there. And it's like, man, they got all these little things here and got things over there. And like, of course, in my head, I was going, of course, they're going to have all those little bitty problems. And I, I can see the process literally. Right. And he told me, he's like, man, I noticed that, you know, he said, uh, basically if one van showed up, that was it. That was the only guy working there that day. And I was like, yeah, I go again. I said, and, and I'll back up. My house was a very, so I kind of felt like my house could, I could be like a little lab, a little experiment. You know, I, I, this was a perfect case study in that I got to experiment with even the different paint that I used. Um, but it was one of those things where I'm, I'm here. I really developed, I feel like a better process to build. I kind of think things a little bit different than your traditional kind of way that I used to do them. I kind mm-hmm. of things up a little bit and, and, and thought about it on a, on a completely different level and I think in the end, it worked out so much better. Uh, everybody liked the process. I think maybe one or two people didn't like it at the end. Uh, it, was, it was my plumber and uh, electrician because when they come out to trim out the house, you know, the AC is already on. And so they're right. going to stall fixtures and all that. And, uh, and I told them, I was like, I'm not putting wood floors in. And then you guys come and trim out and scratch them all up. I was like, I know how yeah. I go. Usually I'm having to babysit you guys with your ladders. Um, yeah, in. and so in this case in my house we essentially had no ac it was august and they were trimming out and you know uh i joke with tones like hell open the windows you know it's, it's okay. <laughs> uh but anyways it was one of those things that i developed a pretty good process here and then when we came in and did what we needed to do man it was it was perfect it made for a really nice uh product in the end uh, and I, I, I feel like we refined our, our building process to it's still not there. I mean, I think it, like everything you're constantly improving, but it's sure. heading in the direction that I feel like, hey, 
you know, we're, we're getting really good at, at, at the, our process and how we want to do things. It may not be the way someone else does them, but it's the way that I feel comfortable that I feel like I can deliver a product for the best product for my client for their money and be able to stand behind that and, and say, yeah, you know, we're, you know, cause our, our fee is going to be higher than your traditional contractor. Right. Uh, you know, our, our percentage of construction, our cost plus fee is higher because, you know, we, we're architects that we feel, you know, we're, we're, we're building a different type of product. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not much different. I'm mean, not much higher, but I think people pay that, that, uh, that incentive. And when they do that, I think what they're paying for is really the, your style of management and how you sequence and how you execute things. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, just going back to, if they're comfortable with you, if they're comfortable with, you know, your, your finished products, I mean, you can't really, uh, cl- customers need to understand they can't pick and choose. They, if they like you, they like your product, they like the way that you do business. They have to also take in some of the things that they may not like, like the time frame, you know, or, or paying a little bit more, but you really don't have uh, a choice at that point. I mean, it's either they go with the way that you do business and they take it all or, or they don't. And I think that's probably something that homeowners need to just, uh, uh, come to realization that you know not everybody does uh, builds a house the same way, and it's complicated. And um, you know, you're, it's a lot of parts, you know, to to do it. And you guys too, I'm sure you guys. I mean, you know, you have your process, and there's a. For, I think uh, what's crazy to me is that project that we went to go look at that you showed me. They're in the woodlands, uh-huh. and I see everything that went in there. And then I, that one, it's a it's a confined space, but I will. It's not it's not small. It's a big space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like it's a small space uh, to do all that work and the way you guys executed that and the homeowner was happy by the way very yeah. and I just thought to myself like man I, said, I cannot imagine like doing this you know in, in the time period that you guys did the time frame uh, that's a lot of moving parts and that I think that's a great example of a project where all the selections need to be made on the front end yeah because there's no time to decide on the back end whether I'm going to like this color or or this backsplash or whatnot. Uh, uh, yeah, I, we we credit the success of that project. To a lot of it, uh, believe it or not, you know, to to the homeowner. And I'm not just saying that. Um, they were they were very easy to work with. They um, they let us work. They trusted us. Um, when the when we did have to overcome a couple of things, um, they met whenever we needed them to meet. They were there. Um, all the decision makers were there, and they we. Yeah, we didn't have to wait uh, past that meeting. There was nothing. They never had to think about anything. It was just, yes, uh, that's what we want to do. Or they said, we trust you. Do what you feel is best. That was their answer. And, and it was never more than a 15-minute meeting. Yeah, so that's perfect. That's key that you said that right now, that all the key decision makers were there. Uh, I would tell a homeowner the exact same thing, whether you're working with an architect or your contractor, we had one client that we worked with. This project I was telling you was very difficult. It was uh, mm-hmm. kind of a it was a pretty bad experience for everybody involved. I think, unfortunately, um, you know, the husband traveled like two weeks out of the month. Yeah, and during construction, he he wanted to he wanted to see things, and and he didn't want us to move forward on certain items, certain things until he got back. Right. You know, I find something to work on, and when you're out of town for two weeks is is a challenge. You know. Uh, and so then they weren't the quickest for making decisions. 
Yeah, that that's another question. You know, part of our questionnaire is uh, who are the decision makers and and what are, what's their availability? Because we've we've learned from our mistakes as well of not asking that on the front end, especially on larger projects, because we have come across. Um, actually, uh, I have one bad review on Google, and it was it came from that. Um, it came from a situation like that where we dealt with the with the wife. Um, and the during the punch list, uh, um, the husband was introduced. I had not met her husband, and this was almost a <laughs> yeah three month project. Um, uh, so much so that like um, I mean, we worked really hard on this project, and um, when the punch list came about. It was the first time I even knew who the husband was. First time I had ever met him, and there was, uh, you know, uh, some kind of misunderstanding on what we were delivering, and uh, you know, it didn't end well. So from that point on, we decided that uh, you know we need to know who the decision makers are and what their availability is. You know, totally oh, I agree with that statement a hundred percent. You know, and I wish I would have known that going in. I wish I would have known. Uh, this particular uh, client that her husband traveled so much and that's not like he was uh, out of town. I mean, just like in Austin, he's out of the country a lot. And so yeah. about a six, seven time, uh, seven hour time difference. I mean, sometimes it's like 7 PM at night and, you know, we're, he's on speakerphone or she's FaceTiming with him, and it's noon, but wherever he's at, yeah. uh, uh, you know, and or it's just, it was just crazy. I mean, it was not a very productive way to doing things. And um, anyways, and of course the project dragged out, but you know, I didn't know that when, when I gave the construction schedule. And so then uh, it was a un- very unpleasant conversation to have. And I would say, I don't know if they've written a bad review of me. Uh, <laughs> I, have, I haven't seen it, but I know in the end, same thing, the punch list, uh, you know, it's hard to do a punch list. Uh, so he was out of town the, for almost a month after they moved back in. And so then I get a, I, we went through her punch list, but then a month later we got his punch list. And, mm, yeah, that's... and we went back and did stuff and it just, uh, it was just very difficult, very hard to manage. And it's not, it's also not, not helpful that, uh, and he was kind of a jerk. I, I don't mind saying that. <laughs> Yeah. So like I was going to say was, you know, we're, we're uh, design professionals and we're here to design your project and build your project, not just us, but any, any remodeler or contractor. Um, and, you know, I understand you're not happy, but how you interact with people goes a long way with how those uh, differences are resolved. You know, mm-hmm. the old thing that, uh, you know, you catch more, uh, more flies with honey. Uh, yeah. It's true. Um, this particular individual, he was not a very nice individual. He, again, he was a jerk. And it was so bad that my painter said, I'm not going back there. Yeah. Oh, hey, wait, but I still have a balance. He said, uh, I, I owe you money. He's like, keep it. Use it for the next guy. He's like, that guy's a good. He said, yeah, that guy in Spanish, he wasn't as nice, whatever he said. <laughs> um, but he said, the guy's just not nice. He's like, and I, he's like, I refuse to work for a guy like that. He's like, I yeah. just uh, and at the end of the, the end of the project, unfortunately, the project didn't end the way we wanted, mainly because I think he was very rude uh, and, um, you know, just was not a very nice way of interacting with people. Later, he, he called me and we both apologized to one another for the way things had kind of uh, I think we kept it very professional, especially mm-hmm. considering a lot of the um, a lot of the, uh, you know, also the language that was used towards us was not favorable at the end. 
Uh, you know, the, the, you know, talking about the horror stories. You know, the, I'd say that's probably been the worst project we worked on, uh, and not what, what we liked. Uh, I mean, it was a beautiful project. Unfortunately, it didn't turn out at the end the way we everybody wanted. Uh, I think the quality was there, but I don't think it turned out. It wasn't the experience that I wanted them to get out of it in the end. Right. Um, and I think uh, when I think back on that project, I think you know, sure, certainly there's things that we could have done better from our point of view in terms of you know executing certain things. But I think really what it came down to was also one that a he's out of town a lot and rightly so, you know, he, he wants to make decisions, but you know, if you're not in town for three weeks and we're trying to finish a project, it's very hard to render, you know, for us to wait. And so that's a, a lot of what we did. We waited. Um, and so uh, definitely all key decision makers uh, be present to be on site. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so where can, I mean, where can people find you? Uh, I know, are you on Instagram? Are you on Facebook? Um, yeah, on Facebook, uh, you can always find us at uh, Alberon Architects. It's A-L-B-A-R-R-A-N architects.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically uh, Facebook is facebook.com slash Alberon Architects. Uh, I don't know my Instagram, uh, my, my hashtag, I think it's, uh, at architect built or Albron. Okay. Uh, I'll put a link on, I'll put a link on all, on all yeah. of them, but they, but you are on, on social media. Uh, yeah, so cool. some of your projects. Yeah. I took a break, uh, the last couple of weeks, of course, the holiday yeah. didn't really post anything. It was nice to actually, that was nice to kind of way around. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, working with an architect is fun. It can be fun. It can be very rewarding, both for the architect and the homeowner. Our job is to make sure you have a seamless, enjoyable process and also, uh, educate the homeowner in terms of what the value of an architect and what they're paying for essentially in construction. Uh, understanding that the components of, of building a home and the decisions and whatnot. And then the part that I really like is that we get to then take that in terms of uh, being able to develop it for for construction for our clients. That then we're we're involved in in that aspect and then seeing it full circle. Uh, and I think I may have told you this: the first time I stepped on a job site as a project manager, I fell in love with it, kind of like your wife. I know your wife yeah. said the same thing. Yeah. Way I knew that. Hey, this is for me. This is what I need to be doing. Um, and anyways, I haven't so far, uh, we've enjoyed, I've enjoyed it. I haven't looked back. I look forward to what's to come. I think, I think, uh, when I look back, look at our company, where we're going, I think we're going to grow in the right direction. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's just looking forward to the next chapter. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate it. Uh, if you are looking for an architect, you know, uh, I, I've known, uh, Franco for a little while now. Uh, great guy, easy to get along with. Uh, his work is it's very timeless, which is one of the things that um, that attracted to me when when I uh, when when we approached each other, when I when I uh, I guess reached out to him uh, through social media. Very timeless uh, amount of work. So uh, I'll post all of his information uh, in the description. Uh, if you're looking for a, for an architect to work with, that can take it from design to all the way to build uh he is your guy so uh highly recommend him uh it has been uh, a pleasure talking to you if, is there anything else that you want to add uh to kind of sign off or any additional uh, snippets? I mean, yeah i would say i like what you said right now thank you for saying those kind words about about our work uh means a lot especially from someone who i i also uh, admire your work and what you guys are doing uh, you. you know it means a lot um I would say that 
I think what we try to provide is that that precisely is that we want it to be a timeless look and feel to your home, but also we want the experience to be timeless for you that you look back on it in a very favorable way. And because we don't, we don't advertise officially. I mean, we advertise, I tell the guys we advertise every day what we do. Right. Uh, we don't, we don't send flyers out or stuff. Uh, of course we use social media, but everything is word of mouth and everything is referral based. Okay. So, when the client's happy and they love what they their, their home, they love what we've done for them. That's the greatest satisfaction I'll ever have. And if it's uh, a feeling that they, you know, 10, 20 years down the road, they still love their home, love everything about it. And they're still granted year to year because they like the house. And I've, I've met my clients, you know, 10 years later and they tell, Hey, we sell the house, man. It's great. Yeah. yeah man, it just, It's just like, that's awesome. You know? Uh, and I, I jokingly want to tell them, let's do another one. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so when's the next one? Yeah. Exactly. Well, I really appreciate you uh, you being on. Again, I'll have uh, all your links and, and contact information in the description. Um, really appreciate you and actually looking forward to working with you as well. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And uh, Happy New Year to you, your wife, and to all the guests out there. Um, and uh, look forward to 2020. It's going to be great. Yeah, absolutely. Happy New Year to you, to yourself as well. And uh, yeah, um, that's about it. So uh, thank you guys for listening and uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Absolutely. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Care. Thanks.